Hello, you are listening to the Batfans podcast brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Enjoy the show. Wow, it's so hard to do it just the two of you. <laughs> well, it's not hard. It just you have to commit so much more. <laughs> you have to say a lot more. Yeah, I'm knackered. <laughs> Hey, we did pretty good, though, for just the two of us. We, we almost made it to three hours. <laughs> yeah, did we? <laughs> there we go. That's why I'm, that's why I'm tired. <laughs> Dan will be like, you guys need to shut the hell up. <laughs> You're going to wake up tomorrow. Your voice is all gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll you really sound like that, man. Pardon <laughs> <laughs> <Part of> me. <laughs> I'm knackered. What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Batman Universe Bat Fans Podcast, episode number 10. My name is Tim. I'm going to be your host for this episode. And joining me today is PJ. What's up, PJ? Hello there. Glad, glad to be here. Uh, as it's just the two of us, the dynamic duo. Yes. Sir. Season, so. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm be PJ. <laughs> <laughs> so, so many to choose from. <laughs> oh, you'll be the sixth Robin, then. You can be the new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be the British one. I'll, I'll be, you know, you know. They'll, have to do, they'll have to do a British Robin eventually. I'm sure they will, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or in like an alternative universe. Well, it's Squire, isn't it? There you go. Yeah. I don't know if I'd look quite as good in those uh, stripy tights that she wears. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it's been, what, three weeks now since Dark Knight Rises has been released? So, uh, yeah. Your, uh, count on I mean, it now. How many times have you seen it? I did three, so that, that's all right, isn't it? That's a, that's a, a nice ratio of once a week. <laughs> Still better than me, though. I did manage it to see it for a second time, so, but okay. And and how did how did it how did it go down second time with you? Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more than I did the first time. Not that I didn't like it the first time, because I really yeah. enjoyed it a lot when I first saw it. But kind of what I was, just, what I was saying, kind of it was like a lot going on where I had this weird feeling after I saw it the first time where I liked it, but. I'm not sure like where it's at in my rankings of the yeah, other yeah, yeah. But seeing it the second time, I thought it flowed a lot better. Just, yep. just kind of this kind of like a sat back and enjoy it type of thing for what it is instead of having that high anticipation the very first yeah, time. Yeah, I th- yeah, which is I mean it's a great feeling to have, don't get me wrong, that kind of anticipation of it of it all happening for the first time and it being new and exciting, but it it almost gets in the way of of your viewing because I, I found that in the third viewing that because by, by the third viewing, you kind of you are really used to you know what's going to happen and stuff. So you can you really just get to sit down and, and enjoy it and you know kind of really take it all in. I found. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things that I enjoyed more the second time was uh, Bane. Not that I didn't like his performance or his portrayal yeah. the first time I saw it, but for some reason the second time I just I don't know really got into his character a lot more. Yeah. This every. A few moments that I saw, like different scenes that he has, it was like, man, he, he really is a cool character in this movie. And, yeah. his, and his voice was really. The second time I saw it, there's a lot of moments <laughs> being a Star Wars I know, fan. And that, it's kind yeah, of sounded like Ryan to be a Darth Vader. Especially yeah. that line where he's fighting Batman, he goes, uh, 
you betrayed us. That was almost sounded just like a scene from In Return of the Jedi when Darth Vader oh, yeah. said that. I'm like, oh, he's got, he, he, I think coming out of that film, you probably assign most most of the quotable material is probably Bane's in that film. Yeah, exactly. So well written, and and you know, Chris Nolan is a smart bastard. I know, you know, I know <laughs> most people know this, but um, that you know, he was in all those interviews. He was going on and on and on about how, like, you would the the more you watch, the more you'd kind of get in tune with Bane. Yep. Um, and it's like, how brilliant is that? That you know, they've kind of written a character that keeps on giving the more and more you watch sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. Because, yeah, so, so many films in, in this day and age, you know, because of DVDs and home video and all that, everyone, you do watch movies more than once. So why not have a character that you kind of get a little bit more of each time around? Yeah, definitely. And I know I said previously uh, on our Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises review special where Bane's voice kind of certain areas felt a little over the top. But yeah. when I saw it the second time, like I did, that didn't bother me at all. I just really got into it. Where like, yeah, oh, this is this voice is actually really cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, I, it's it's gonna be for me. I think you know the next generation or the young generation as they kind of grow up into these movies, sort of thing. He he's gonna be the the one everyone's trying to do the voice yeah. of. Yeah, you know, like, I, I suppose for, for us it, it was kind of the uh, the Darth Vader. Kind of, you know, I remember everyone's done that thing where you cup your hands over your nose and your mouth sort of thing and you do the heavy breathing. Yep. You know, we've all done that. But I, I think it would be really cool if, if you know, you'll get kids kind of doing the same thing, but they'll be doing it in a really high-pitched British kind of <laughs> voice. <laughs> I think that would be really cool. Yeah, like like you said, too, a lot of the lines that get stuck in your head, though, that you want to quote are from Bane, too. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'll do, m- most definitely. Um, especially the stuff during the, the fight, the, the, yeah. the middle fight there where he, where he breaks him. Um, they just, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, full credit to Tom Hardy. Um, yeah. The kind of, yeah, because, yeah, I, I always thought it, it was one of the, he could have just phoned it in, kind of, you know, I'm sure the script would have been, you know, like any Chris Nolan script, and the fact that he had, you know, such a big old mask covering most of his face, you know, you would have, if he'd have just kind of done average, you'd have probably got enough just from, from those other bits, you know, from the look of the character and the script. But the, I think he, he definitely dialed it up. And I'd, I'd say he definitely is to the Bane character um, what Heath Ledger was to the Joker character. I mean, you know, that's not saying he's better or he's as good, but because, I mean, that's the difference between whether you like the Joker more than you like Bane. Um, but I certainly think he, he has, you know, put a stamp on that character from now on. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that, what you said about Heath, Led- Heath Ledger's Joker performance. They're totally different, but you can tell they kind of both went at it the same way. Because when you yeah. see Tom Hardy in, like, interviews or other roles, you would never think that's him as Bane. His voice is totally different. He's, his presence is different. It's like... Like Heath Ledger did with the Joker, he totally immersed himself in that role, which was great. Yeah, I think he, he's he's really, you know, sort of defined that character that it wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, elements of that will seep into to whenever, you know, he reappears again, kind of if it's in um, animated form or, you know, I guess he's going to come back to the comics eventually. Yeah, saying that, now I kind of wish, I mean, he had that little appearance at the end of the first terrible Dark Knight arc. Where he's the one behind that oh, new formula. Didn't it yet? Yeah, see, I, I kind of managed to escape from that. Cause, thing, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They just would have held him off and not introduced him, but then after Dark Knight Rises, reintroduce him into the comics where he is kind of 
similar to the movie version and also to his previous comic origins too, but kind of maybe combined yeah. too. I th- I think you know put put in the hands of a talented enough writer, you know, of which we've got quite a few. I mean, obviously Snyder springs to mind, but you know, I think you could put him in the hands of. Um, anyone really um, I can't remember all the names now but you know I, I'm sure someone you know there's a way to bring him back in it just will sort of take it and uh, who's to say and I've seen bits of speculation as to whether he'll turn up in the um, the Grant Morrison kind of scheme of things in that arc because um, obviously you've got the stuff going on with Talia and stuff yeah that's true um, so we'll, we'll see but uh, yeah I, I think you know credit to Tom Hardy um, he, he will have, and and you know it's really cool because by his own admission he didn't you know he didn't sort of come into the role knowing you know as much as we do or or, or anything like that. So it certainly takes a, an amount of talent not only to get it right in in quotes or whatever you know or, or to appease us fanboys, um, but also to you know to really do something new and different with it. Yeah. Which is exactly what he did. Yeah. And speaking of Bane, I don't know if you've read about this, but there's a description of a cut scene. Yeah. Uh, it's like, uh, looks like the costume designer, uh, Lindy Henning. Still beans. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> talked about it. The funny thing is that she didn't think it was cut. I think she yeah. said something like, um, unless they cut it, but I don't, I'm pretty sure they didn't. <laughs> but then the oh, they did. told her, yeah. But uh, it sounded like we would have gotten to see a little more of Bane's origin as far as when he was a kid, how he got that scarring on his back. Yeah. And even when I saw, like, an early version of his mask that he would have on. But the thing that I found more interesting about that was that we would have saw him get trained, kind of how Bruce Wayne was by the League of Shadows. Yeah, which when I he was, thought yeah, was that cool been, to see. That would have been really cool. There is, there, there is a, a, there's a tiny little clip in, in The Dark Knight Rises when they are they're talking about um, him being excommunicated, and all it now is is just one clip of Liam Neeson's Ra's al Ghul. Mm. Um, it kind of flashes back to because uh, Tally is talking about that all Ra's could see was was the monster, yeah, bit sort of thing. And you just get that little shot. And first two times, I I, I wondered if that was um, like a sample shot that they just sort of brought back from Batman Begins. Um, but I actually watched Batman Begins because it sort of randomly came about. I watched it last night, and I don't think it is. I don't think that is sort of... I mean, it might have been taken from extra footage from Batman Begins, but that clip certainly... Because I wondered if they'd just kind of taken a scene where he's watching Bruce training to make it look like he was watching Bane training. But um, as far as I could tell, it wasn't. I mean, that that, that is just, uh, you know, obviously until we get the DVD and we can pause things and see. yeah. Um, we'll, we won't know, but yeah. So I, th- I wonder if if that was a scene that they filmed that that she's talking about that that in the end just got cut down because I suppose if it's that moment in the film when she's telling that story, I mean, uh, we might have joked about it on the Dark Knight Rises podcast, but but she stabs Batman for quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Goes over her entire origin. She's just sticking this knife in his. You know, if, if they'd added shots of Bane's mask and Bane training, you know, it, Batman would have bled out. Yeah. <laughs> the film would have ended there. It would have cut back, and we just see him on the floor knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like in a pool of blood. <laughs> Yeah, the, the thing that probably sucks, though, that we'll probably never see it, because no one ever puts any deleted scenes on his Which, Blu-ray yeah, releases. That, that was the thing that 
struck me more than than actually what the scene was as cool as that sounded is i was in seeing that article it was more like ah oh, this is it's a bit of a downer because i know i'll never see that because <laughs> there, there's never really been any of the of the deleted or, or the extra stuff uh from the previous two so um it would it would you know be a nice turn up for the books if they did but um yeah it may just remain one of those it, it'll i mean you know, like all that extra Star Wars footage that eventually surfaced and stuff. I'm sure it'll it'll see the light of day, yeah. even if it's just a set picture sort of thing. Because obviously, she she was talking about the fact that he had a cruder form of the mask. Yeah. Um, to begin with, so I'm, I'm you know, um, just from kind of knowing on our end and stuff, all, all the makeup tests and costume tests and stuff, just like you know, digital camera photos after digital camera photos get taken like when they're on set and stuff. So even if it's if we never actually see the clip, I'm sure we'll we'll eventually see the the Bane Mark 1 mask. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully even if they don't do like a big documentary thing for the Blu-ray release, maybe if we even get like a big making of book. That well, yeah, well, uh, all the movies. there's a book I'm hoping to get. I haven't um I don't know if it's it's certainly out here. I don't know if it's out in the States, but it's kind of on my birthday wish list, which is in about a month. Um, it's called The Art and Making of the Dark Knight Trilogy. Yeah, it is out over here. I, I've yet to get it. I've been yeah. wanting to pick it up. Um, it, that looks, you know, like it would be the the place to find something like that. But I also imagine if it was in there, it kind of would have already appeared online. Yeah, you know it would have, yeah, even before the book release, probably. Yeah, and, and I wonder, actually, if, if they maybe that's where they picked up this information. I wonder if that was, a, like, a quote that's in, in, in the book um, that has since kind of popped up. No, I think this quote from the costume designer was from a GQ magazine, like an oh, interview they were doing with her. Oh, well, there you go. So. Uh, um, how up market. <laughs> <laughs> that's very cool. Um but yeah, so maybe, maybe it's not. Yeah, unfortunately, maybe it's not in the books yet. But who's to say? Um, just on on this whole subject, because it was a point that um, I don't think anyone I've heard anyone raise it yet. But it, it is certainly it's the one kind of head scratching moment about the whole thing. But you know, we'll take it with a grain of salt. Is that when you find out that Bane is the protector in the jail rather uh-huh. than the child? Um, and you, you know, you see Tom Hardy's face, which was a really cool moment to actually see his full face. Obviously, yeah. and then, and then you even see that bit when uh, Raz then comes and frees all the prisoners, and Bane's like got all the bandages over his face and it's blood and stuff. You can still tell that's Tom Hardy, um, but it's the young Raz Al Ghul. It's it's the guy from the Social Network, you know, still playing him at that point. So Bane was like fully grown when what. Raz was a young guy, Talia was a kid, so we're kind of assuming that's probably a little bit before Bruce was born, or, or you know, when Bruce was a real little mm, kid, rather yeah, than the, in the first film. Um, so, like, you know, Bane's old. Bane <laughs> yeah, he might be really right. old. <laughs> like, let's say, what, he was 20 or so when all that happened? And, yeah. Uh, and Batman Begins, Bruce's... What, 30, so like, yeah, he might be 50 years old in Dark Knight yeah, yeah. Rises. Huh. Yeah, looking That's good. Looking point, yeah. <laughs> looking very good. Um, long time to have the mask on as well. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And a long time waiting for revenge, too. <laughs> yeah, but because um, then, actually, that, that ties in with the fact that I watch Batman Begins again, because Batman Begins is really interesting to watch now because of how young they actually do all look. 
um, in that first film. Uh-huh. Um, like, you know, we did the, the, Chris, the Bruce Wayne at 30 or the Christian Bale from what? It's ten, nine, ten years ago. Um, that, that works really well in the fact that they have actually aged the kind of appropriate length of time. Yeah, uh, definitely. Especially the, yeah. how he looks in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, exactly. Um, and even, even out, you know, even Michael Caine, who has been old since as long as I can remember, <laughs> God love him, um, actually looks, looks younger and begins. But there's a, there's a bit of, they kind of, they blur the ages as well in, in Batman Begins kind of very cleverly in, in the way they sort of, you know, just don't really approach it with the Bane thing because, you get you get loads of flashback scenes in in Batman Begins, like in the the period before the seven years that Bruce was away. So I maybe seven years isn't really that length of time, but in the seven years that he's away, Rachel doesn't age a day. Uh, neither does um, I, I'm then trying to think the the guy I can't remember his name who's kind of in control of Wayne Enterprises. He's played by Rutger Hauer. Mr. Earl. Mr. Earl, yes. He, you know, he, he's the same age throughout Bruce's entire life. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, ev- evidently someone put something good in Gotham's water supply and everyone's, everyone's doing all right. <laughs> Before Scarecrow and Rage put their... <laughs> yeah, because even, even, even the, the damn tramp, the hobo... That, um, gives his jacket to before he takes off for seven years. I mean, his hair didn't get any longer. <laughs> I'm sorry, but what hobo survives for seven years? Alone in Gotham. Yeah, especially in Gotham. But yeah, so and I suppose you, that's one of the many sort of things you suspend your disbelief for all that, and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. But one thing I did notice when I saw it the second time was that. There were certain things in a few of the trailers that didn't make it into the final cut of the movie. Okay. Um, um, one in particular was when Alfred, right before Alfred leaves, and he's telling Bruce about the truth about Rachel. Yes. He, in the, the second trailer, I believe, where he goes, uh, "You are as precious to me as your own mother and father." And I swore to them that I protect you, and I haven't. That line wasn't in the movie. Say that. Uh. That's that's crazy because I've seen that movie three times and never noticed that. Could, wow! I'm not because yeah. I kind of thought of that after the first time I saw him. I go, did he say that or didn't he? I wasn't sure. Then when I saw it the second time, I'm like, no, he didn't say that. Wow! I, I really like that line too. Like, I wonder why yeah. they got out of there because it fit with all the other stuff he was saying in that scene. Well, oh yeah, and actually on the subject of stuff cut, um, it wasn't in any of the trailers, but it was in one of the leaked set pictures that I saw kind of early on at a time when I kind of figured it wasn't going to spoil anything, so I looked at them. <laughs> um, but it was a picture of Bruce um, visiting his parents' graves. Really? And, oh, yeah, I, I you know, in the little um, that little plot of land that's kind of just just down uh, the way from Wayne Manor. Um, but yeah, it was Bruce with the grave. So I was I was waiting like the whole movie to kind of see that because it was it like it what it reminded me of year one. Um, that yeah, that would have been really cool to see. I'm yeah. surprised I didn't even see it when the set pictures came out. Huh? Um, I'd, unless I've completely made that up, but I, I definitely, I definitely think I early pictures of um, yeah, because it was kind of when they were shooting all that stuff around the outside of Wayne Manor, so you've seen a lot of um, on set pictures. But yeah, and that never made it in, so that would have been awesome because I also it's kind of hard to judge when in the movie that might have been. Um, yeah. To you know, would it be a kind of a you know, um, I'm I'm sorry, I 
failed as Batman moment right at the beginning sort of thing? Or would it have been the sneaky little kind of goodbye forever moment right at the end, just after they buried him? <laughs> or maybe right before he goes back to being Batman again, kind of maybe reminding himself yeah. how it all started, what's it, what it's all about. And another thing, I'm not, now this is another thing where I'm not sure if it's cut from the movie or not, but certain shots of the final battle sequence, this is a shot in the trailer where you see the tumbler going up the stairs of the, I guess, like, courtroom area yes. where there's yeah, all that yeah. riots going on. And I yeah. don't remember seeing that in the actual movie because no, yeah. after the bat comes out and pretty much shoots the, the tumblers and then the police and the mercenaries start fighting each other, you really don't see too much of the tumblers during that whole sequence. No. Um, or as I remember. The, the other one, a, a few other people had said to me um, because they'd all seen the video online of, you know, when – the Catwoman stunt double broke the IMAX yeah, camp. Yeah, that's right. Because you, you, you don't see Catwoman exit the, on the, on the, uh, the bat pod. That's right, yeah. Uh, which I'd, um, I suppose, you know, all of those kinds of things do get lost on the cutting room floor for a particular reason sort of thing, I suppose. It's just, um, but if they're available at the time and, and would fit with a trailer, then, um, yeah, you, you'd put them in there. Because the other one, um, which was, this is, Sounding really bad for how much I might have spoiled this movie for myself, but I didn't. I swear I didn't. I didn't spoil it. But I did see, like, in some of those on-set videos, yeah, um, <laughs> the character um, Foley, played uh, by Matthew Modine, um, he's meant to get run over by a tumbler. Oh, really? Yeah, um, and I don't. I really don't know why they decided to cut that because, and because the setup is still there in the movie where Talia gets in. Um, to in into her tumbler and, and drops in, and she says to the driver, she says like shoot them all or wipe them out or whatever, and then kind of it cuts to Foley and he's kind of shooting, and then she says all of them, and now in the film all that happens is you kind of see the tumbler drive past and he's dead, yeah, all sort of thing. And it's like ah, oh. whereas I you know I've seen the the footage of the stunt guy absolutely taking one from a high speed tumbler sort of thing, and it looked amazing and. I, I don't know, maybe would that have thrown the the rating up a bit for, excess, you know, seeing the violence type bit of, of or did, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was cut. That's um, what I'm thinking. Maybe just for the rating of the violence factor, maybe there would yeah. be a little too much. Well, oh, that's interesting. Um, that's one of the few said videos I didn't see there. And you'd be really sad if you were that stunt actor as yeah. well. I mean, you probably got run over like five times and it's not even the damn movie. Oh, for that thing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I guess if I had maybe one little complaint about that whole final sequence, I wish we did get a little more of like the cops and the mercenaries fighting each other. Yeah, a little more because it kind of they start off and then Batman and Bane it really focuses on them right when they find each other pretty quickly. I mean, I know yeah, it's a long movie yeah. anyway, but just to make it feel a little more epic, I guess, and grander, maybe it feels a little longer. But that's just me. <laughs> no, no, I agree because yeah, I, I'd have. I'd have almost liked to have seen more of the the civilians of Gotham during the whole siege. Yeah. You don't really. You kind of, you see what the police are up to in, and, like, the, the resistance movement and, and you know, and the key characters and stuff. Uh, and, it, and then, because even, like, even in the, the whole court scenario with the, the Scarecrow's cameo, which is fantastic, <laughs> yep. it, it's, never, it's never really, you know, general members of the public that are on trial or whatever. It's all characters that were familiar with yeah uh, um, so yeah but i suppose yeah when you when your movie's that big you know you just kind of there isn't enough time to i mean because he had his plate was full with given enough time to the people we actually care about so 
I guess, sort of lost in the mix were, were, were just the little extra scenes, which is, you know, something that the Dark Knight certainly did have going for it with the whole um, the scene on the boats. With they, you know, and, and throughout the movie, actually, there was more of a, a nod to just how Batman and, and the stuff that was going on affected, like, people. Yep. Um, so that's a shame. But, yeah, so like you say, it's kind of that, it's that epic sort of thing that you have to focus where you do. Yeah, I just wish every director would do what Peter Jackson did with the Lord of the Rings movie, just have an extended cut version release as well, <laughs> just yeah. for the hardcore fans yeah. who like that type of stuff. That would be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> but um, one thing I was thinking about so now that Dark Knight Rises has been out for three weeks, almost a month now, just, just been thinking more and more about what the next series is going to be and I probably shouldn't do this because I'll just end up disappointing myself when it actually starts yeah. again. But just going over my head, what I would like to see and how I think it should, like the next series would be and how different it would be from the previous movies. Yeah. I don't know if you thought about that. Was there anything like, oh, I, that you I, would want to see I've happen in the next extensive, series? Extensive. I've, I've plotted all three of the movies. <laughs> that um, Same here. Or kind of. Yeah, but, I, but then I also think that... Um, the world's almost not ready for it, and that, that that is in by no way bigging up my ideas. Saying like the world just isn't ready for the amazing films that I'm putting in my head. Uh, no, I don't mean it in that way. I just mean that. Uh, yeah, I've, I've thought about it loads, and and I just um, it it's it. Let's be honest, it's it's too hard to top that trilogy. Definitely, yeah. Um, at the same it, time, if it's different enough, it can be. I think just as good, like some other. Because Batman, as we always say, is so many different interpretations, some like more yeah. than the others. So it I can't actually think, be yeah. as good for someone else, where it could be that their version of Batman that they've been dying to see on screen for a while. Yeah. I think I think there's going to have to be a, a longer period of time, though, before. Because um, I like randomly to um, be included with this. Um, I saw an interview with Colin Farrell because uh, he's doing the rounds for Total Recall, which just came out. Yeah. Um, because one of the interviewers, like, plucked this question out of nowhere that apparently he was he was up for Batman way back when they were going to do the Superman-Batman yep. movie. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, and, and yeah, and um, he talked about it and said, you know, it's just one of those things that, that never came to pass. Um, and they, you know, they asked him, well, you know, given that it'll be rebooted, would, would you be interested in doing it now? And he said he... He kind of he wouldn't touch it with a barge pole, essentially, because of having too much respect for what Christian Bale did. And um, then he kind of he kind of finished it off by saying, you know, life is too short for to have for him to have to put up with the direct comparison to Christian Bale's Batman, <laughs> yeah, which sure. I can you know I can understand, and I think a lot of you know almost any actor worth his grain in salt would certainly heed that advice, I think, because cause that is essentially what's going to happen. Yep, uh, I think, yeah, when Bale came to the role, it had, you know, it, it was different because, one, it had gone south, but then also Michael Keaton's portrayal was, was so long ago and, and there was room to do it so differently. Um but so to answer that question in in uh, what what would I like to see? I suppose um, just from being a Batman fan, I'd like to see some yeah it, it done differently in a way. And for me, I would think the way to do that 
is to embrace the um, kind of what's yet to be embraced in, in Batman on film is the kind of horror movie aspect that, that is sometimes there mm-hmm. um, in the stories. And, and so and then from that, um, the more horror movie character uh, villains that you get um, characters like Mambat, Killer Croc. Um, you know those monster villains. Yeah, even do the that Phil Carlo Clayface, because that's where his origin yeah, is from, yeah, anyway. Exactly. Horror yeah, movies. Yeah. Um, all all those sorts of characters. Now, whether I want to see a trilogy of those movies, um, I'm not entirely sure. That is because that's my other concern is doing another trilogy. Because that, which is how Hollywood kind of always seems to want to work yeah. uh, in terms of the money. Yeah, you know, you only have to look at the, you know, they're already doing Iron Man three, Spider Man, um, the Sam Raimi versions got to at least got to three before the like the wheels fell off, and I'm guessing with the Amazing Spider Man they're going to try and do three. Yeah, it uh, seems like every movie's franchise like you're guaranteed three, and if the third one does really good, then maybe yeah. it'll get more. But, <laughs> but that's um, never the case. No, but I and I really don't think that's that's the right way to go with Batman. I'd almost in in sort of in the way Christian uh, Christopher Nolan came about it, even though he was doing the origin, I'd kind of try and do done in one films, um, and just let you know every every time let someone do a Batman film and just let it stand alone, um, and, and that should be almost the mandate I think for anyone who is going to direct it. Is don't set up a trilogy. Just just do a done in one film because I think that'll be stronger than trying to do a kind of oh well if we tease this character in the first film then they'll have to make us let us do a sequel sort of thing because as soon as you start to do a trilogy it's going to get compared and I don't think for a while someone can really top what Nolan did. Yeah, that's an interesting take on it because I actually had. Uh, the opposite approach where kind of what I would like to see uh, speaking in like the trilogy mindset where instead of having the arc focusing on Batman the whole trilogy arc would be focused on Dick Grayson and his growth as Robin where maybe the first movie would start off where it's kind of like how the Dark Victory comic and the Robin's Reckoning episodes of Batman okay, okay, series so were. Not a continuation of John Blake, Robin. No, just start all the, fresh. Oh, yeah. start fresh, okay. Like in the first movie, don't even have Dick Grayson as Robin. Just have him as a kid where Bruce takes him in, his parents die, they kind of like solve that okay. crime. Then at the yeah. very end, maybe you see him, Batman, give Dick that, have Dick take that oath for that classic shot where you see him in the candlelight yeah, in the Batcave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe in the last shot, you see him as Robin. But then in the second movie, it's maybe like ten years or seven years in the future where he's kind of the grown-up Robin. Yeah. And maybe we see the fallout of their relationship. And okay. By the end of that movie, he leaves, becomes Nightwing. And then in the third movie, like Batman's not the same anymore because he left, he's Nightwing. And then at the very end, like Tim Drake comes up and then it continues on the Batman-Robin oh, okay. legacy, something like that. Yeah, I would, I'd, I'd say what the, I kind of what that approach would have in its favor, and I think is is because um, it's something we'll probably talk about when we do the comic reviews later. Is is that whole yeah shifting the focus away from Bruce Wayne Batman? Yeah, 
Because, one, that was the focus of Nolan's films. He put Bruce Wayne kind of front and center, and it was yeah, all about him. It does such a good job. You don't want to yeah. retell it again and maybe make it worse than what it was. But, two, so some of the best, like, comic series and, and comic stories are, you know, they're at ground level, and they're, they're to do with people and how they, you know, how they, they view Batman, not yeah. how Batman is. You know, it's, it's, it's all, all like... Um, I think they've even done it more than once. Those, oh, it was comics, and then it was a member of the uh, of, yeah, an episode of the animated series. Um, that whole the kids discussing who and what they yeah. think Batman is, and they all have different versions and different interpretations. I'm not saying follow that formula for a film, but certainly follow the formula that it is. Yeah, it's shot like you said from from someone like Dick Grayson's perspective that. You never kind of maybe only at the end do you actually get to see Batman kind of fully revealed. You know, really kind of keep him, stick him in the shadows, and make you know you see the result of what he did, um, and maybe you know kind of bits of fighting and stuff. But um, yeah, keep him more of a mis- mysterious character. I think could could really work. Yeah, and then I think too we got with the Nolan trilogy, we got the definitive. Bruce Wayne origin story, and I think it's time we finally get the Dick Grayson definitive yeah. origin story on film, because we know Batman Forever doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> and have it done right, where he's taken in as a little yeah. kid, but at the same time, I don't think it'll work if you see him as Robin and Batman in action together as as yeah. a kid. That's why you would jump several years for the second one. I'm now. I'm as big a Dick Grayson fan as they come, and I'd, I've said on previous podcasts, it largely stems from the fact that I was a middle child and had an older brother, so you kind of get lumped with Robin very early on in that kind of <laughs> playtime <laughs> scenario. Um, so, you know, I, I, Dick Grayson is you know, quite possibly, definitely my second favorite character in, in comics. However, I, I, I don't know if he's big enough for Hollywood, to be honest. Which is why I liked the John Blake version of Robin so much, I think. Um, is that I, I don't... Mm, I think it could work, because, you know, I know the character can work, but I'm more wondering what the kind of general perception and reaction would be. Mm. Um, in that I don't know how many people outside of our kind of comic and more Batman fan-centric community actually care as much about what is essentially Robin. I mean, you know, he's the butt of so many jokes sort of thing. Um, Look, the thing yeah. is, I think his story is so good and compelling enough that it can make him that type of character where people can really just yeah, yeah. get it's invested not, in. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Get that uh, view of Robin as just Batman's... Uh, Sidekick and the whole Burt Ward thing out of their minds. And yeah, well, yeah, maybe I'm I'm sort of being too cynical about that, and and hopefully, yeah, I mean, quite, you know, maybe maybe you're the guy to do it, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'll start writing it. Yeah, but no, but that I, I suppose in a way that's kind of that's how Nolan approached Batman in the sense of you know taking it away from the the campy Joel Schumacher. I am just a superhero kind of persona that had been created and and taking it back to root. So I suppose yeah, it's maybe time for someone to do that with Dick Grayson. Um, they might have to rename him Richard Grayson because I still... I mean, you know, it, it works in the comics because there's the history there and, and 
I think by the very nature that you've chosen to read a comic, you're willing to suspend your disbelief and, and em- embrace a lot of old kind of ideas anyway, because, you know, obviously a lot of comics do, do kind of still carry over from the, the 30s and, and the history of it. Um, but yeah, cause I, for all the people who were hoping that like, um, at the end, John Blake was gonna, his legal name was gonna be Dick Grayson. Um, uh, I was almost afraid that that was gonna happen because I, I could imagine the scenario where I'm sat in the cinema and she says, uh, he goes, oh, the little bag for me is under my legal name. And, and then she goes, oh, your legal name sounds a lot better, Dick. <laughs> like the entire cinema would have started laughing and yeah, not, for the wrong reason <laughs> yeah for the wrong reason and not even know why because to, further to that point when we um when we did batman live um you know you when because that was that was faithful that was the proper dick grayson origin kind of right there obviously done kind of in a more theatrical circus sort of show setting yeah. um but you you could definitely the, yeah the name dick grayson doesn't doesn't work too well with the modern audience who aren't already initiated, aren't initiated, like the League of Shadows, <laughs> um, League of Comics. Um, yeah, and, you know, so whenever, um, you know, the guy playing Robin on stage would say, you know, oh, hi, my name's Dick, you'd, you'd hear laugh, you'd hear people laughing. Um, it, unfortunately, in 2012, um, we've kind of, we've, Times have changed too much. I think that he would maybe have to be. They'd have to change it to Richard. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, thinking like a cool moment for like the bookend if they were to do a trilogy like that with Robin. Remember the the opening sequence of Batman R.I.P. where you get that really cool shot oh, of Batman yeah, and Robin yeah. in the shadows where he says yeah. Batman and Robin will never die. I think yeah. that'd be a cool way to start it. Then like at the very end of the trilogy, that's like you end it. You see how it gets to that point or something. Yeah. Like that. I just love that. Yeah, I think um, as as fun as it's been to speculate as to you know how and and what they could do, um, putting my logic cap on for a second in in just how I think it'll happen, um, I almost see and I, well or how I hope it'll happen whilst trying to figure what Hollywood, how Hollywood minds work. Um, I would prefer it if I imagine Batman is going to have some involvement in the Justice League that Warner Brothers are dead set on making. Um, But if you if you for a second compare that to the um, Avengers uh, and look at the fact that characters like Hawkeye um, and also to to a certain extent, um, the Incredible Hulk. You know, there are currently no plans to further, to, you know, to give them their own movies based, you know, off the back of the Avengers. So, I, and, but when it comes to Avengers 2, I'm sure those characters will come back and Hawkeye may even be in Captain America 2. You know, they'll, they'll be in other franchises. I would almost like them to take that kind of mold and use it for the new version of Batman. Have him turn up in the Justice League movie, and even like from what we discussed a while ago as to how to do a Justice League movie, in the same way you're saying do the new Batman movie from Dick's perspective, I think the Justice League movie should be from Batman's perspective because he is the human, he's the guy with no powers, he's going to be thrust into a world with all these other gods among men sort of things. So do it from his perspective. 
um, but then don't feel the need to give him his own franchise. Make him this, like the central character of the Justice League movies. Give everyone else their own films, and then it just eases the pressure, I think, on the guy playing Batman, because the guy who's playing Batman in the Justice League movie will actually... He's, he's going to be better off starting in that movie than he would be starting in his own Batman franchise because he's going to be playing a Batman that's dealing with those other superhero characters. So instantly, that makes him completely different to anything Christian Bale did in the role. And yeah, there'll be some similarities, but I think that gives him a fighting chance of not being compared straight away, whoever that may be. Um, and yeah, and then just, you know, have the Superman movies, the Green Lantern movies, Wonder Woman, Flash, or whatever, but just leave Batman as the character they come back to in the Justice League movies and and see where it goes, because, you know, these things do kind of, eventually, they do tend to fall apart, or they change, or, you know, times change. Um, it'll be really interesting to see just how long Marvel managed to keep their timeline and story going before they start to reboot things and change things um, and how that affects their universe so I think for this one you know Batman can be that cool be second tier character for the for the new franchise and give it to give himself a well-earned break yeah I, yeah. I don't think that's ever going to happen <laughs> they don't no. Batman makes too much money for them when he's in his own movie, yeah. I don't think they're ever just going to leave him just to, like, a supporting <laughs> role in Justice League. Maybe that's too sensible. Uh. <laughs> exactly. But uh, speaking of Justice League, uh, you've heard the news as yeah. far as the rumors of Ben Affleck being offered the chance to direct it. Yes, I've also heard a rumor that apparently he declined. Yeah, so already. Uh, yeah, the, the came and went sort of thing, so it wasn't... They didn't have too long to get excited about it, really. Uh, but I did get excited about it. I thought that was a really cool, smart choice, because who is Ben Affleck really good friends with? Kevin Smith. Who knows a damn load about comics yeah. and Justice League? Kevin, you know, it, it. I thought that kind of excited me as a, yeah, that's a, that's a really cool way to go, because obviously Ben Affleck's an up-and-coming director, you know, just kind of finding his feet, which is always, I think, the best kind of director to go for on there because if you looked um batman 89 was one of tim burton's yeah. his first feature um chris nolan really kind of broke into mainstream hollywood by doing batman begins yep. um john favreau and iron man even as far back as sam raimi and spider-man one they do tend to be the the um the uninitiated. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be doing bank quotes all night. <laughs> We're already using quotes from. Tend to, you know, the, those types of directors tend to do it best because I, I don't know if there's a fearlessness to them or, you, you know, um, they're not as beaten down by the Hollywood system by that point. Or, I, you know, I don't really know, but it, it seems to work. So bringing in someone like Ben Affleck, you know, was was fine by me, and almost a little bit gutted now that he's um, he's decided to to pass on it. Yeah, I know uh, everyone rags on Ben Affleck as an actor, but as a director, I've I've heard good things about it. I personally haven't yeah. seen any movies he's directed, but knowing it got pretty good response when, at least from the Batman sites that I check, oh, as far cool. as yeah, hearing Ben Affleck as Justice yeah. League, got a pretty good response. I was like, okay, if everyone says he's a good director, this could be pretty good. 
Yeah, I haven't seen anything he directed either, but I, this is the funny thing. I know loads of people rag on Ben Affleck um, as an actor, but being a massive Kevin Smith fan, and, you know, I kind of feel I've probably seen the, uh, just the good bits <laughs> <laughs> and not a lot of the bad bits. Um, That's so, another thing, too. I think part of the rumor was was that for him to direct, he would want a role in the movie, too. Yeah. But that would have gotten me a little nervous if he was going to play, like, a main, a main member of the Justice League. Yeah, um, it, it, yeah. I suppose you could only have properly judged that if it was happening and finding out who it was being. Because yeah. you know, again, go, go back to Favreau is Happy Hogan in yeah. the Iron films, and that works brilliantly. Um, yeah, it could have been like a side character, maybe. Like I've heard uh, people say, "Oh, he could have been like Steve Trevor." Is uh, yeah, I was going to say something like that. Yeah, um, that would that would have been cool, and I think you'd kind of want to do that anyway. So it wasn't that much pressure on yourself to one deliver as Superman or whoever you decide yeah. to be. Kind of well, I, I imagine it'll be uh, Henry Cavill will carry over as Superman, but we we don't even know that think, yet. Yeah, they're probably just waiting to see how Man of Steel does. Yeah, to officially announce that I would say, because, but I'm sure it's in his contract. Because I'd put I'd put really good money on the fact that Ryan Reynolds won't be the Green Lantern in it. Yeah, I would say that too. Uh, Even though I thought I, he was fine in the movie, I think he was. Yeah, I just think the movie didn't exactly. really light up the world. And uh, the the thing about Green Lantern though is he he quite easily has given them a nice get out clause, and I think the easiest way to do it is just go with John Stewart Green Lantern instead. That's what I was thinking. Probably just so people aren't reminded about Green Lantern yeah. movie if Ryan Reynolds is in it. And then uh, yeah, a lot yeah. of people already know John Stewart as part of the Justice League from the animated series, so that'll be another thing people might be familiar with if they see John Stewart yeah. Green Lantern. And and you know, for for the right politically correct reasons, it does bring a nice ethnic balance to kind of the group um you know that you because you, you want that these movies need to speak to a, a mass audience sort of thing so having ethnic characters would certainly work for it i imagine yeah so, um it, it, it's a good thing to do i think i um i'm all sort of for it in that way because that was the reason why they did it for the cartoon yep um, um because then they then they uh, swapped in Hawkgirl, didn't they? Just so there was yeah. a, a bit more of a female balance. You know, what? I've been recently been watching uh, the first season of Justice League, and I never picked up on this too much when I first saw it. But they really messed up Green Lantern as far as he didn't use any constructs in the first season of Justice nah, League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just was... like beams and shield. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that I... was that was my like as a kid. That was really my introduction to Green Lantern uh-huh. as as a character. So I got all kinds of confused as to as to what the hell was going on, sort of thing. Yeah, I later read that Bruce Tim didn't want to use too many contracts because I guess he didn't want to associate it as far as being like I guess the old super fan that maybe people would think that's too campy to see like yeah. a big giant boxing glove or a fist or something like that. So they stayed away from it. But, Have you been watching much of the the Bruce Tim the, the new Green Lantern animated series? Yeah, the series is really good. I like it a lot. Oh, oh is it brilliant? Yeah. I, I haven't. Um, I don't have kind of the right channel package over here to uh, to watch it, and haven't really found it online yet. But the, um, the CG animation isn't the best. I mean, it's nowhere near as good as Clone Wars' animation, but the storylines yeah. and the action in it's really cool. So that's cool. I think that's just because of George Lucas's yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> yeah, obviously Clone Wars animation is sublime, but um, I, I kind of I liked the look of it in that you know it it was sort of basic, but I think 
given that it's go- they've gone for the Bruce Tim style, yeah. I think they kind of get away with it in, in sort of, you know, it's nice to see. And it'll be interesting to see how um, Beware the Batman shapes up in terms of CG quality. Yeah, no, I'm thinking it should be a little better than what Green Lantern was because yeah. usually these CG shows look better and better after every season as you get. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we'll be interested to see. Yep. So we'll, we know definitely a Justice League movie is happening, even though they may not have found a director yet, but I think it's going to yeah. come sooner well, or later. Yeah, it was happening. It, it has happened before, though, and they were like, you know, they were trying costumes on, and it was cast and stuff. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I remember. Uh, no one so. put the kibosh on that one. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I'll say wait and see, because then the what I found out this week um, is that the dates are going to match up with Avengers 2. Yeah, that's what I read, too. Imagine that. that. <laughs> That's like that is mind exploding. Um, I mean, that'd be really cool for us fans, but I think that'd be a big mistake on DC or Warner Brothers' part because I think Avengers would kick its butt if it's released at the same time. Just yeah, I mean, they would literally have to be sat on the best script of all time. Yeah, exactly. To, to wanna, you know, it's it's like yeah, they'd need a royal flush. And maybe only if. Uh, Christian Bale is still as Batman, they can compete with the Avengers, but, you know, that's not going to happen, so. Yeah, although, and then that's that's the weird thing, because I would actually give Justice League 1 a better chance of being received better critically than I think the Avengers 2 will be. I mean, like, I don't get me wrong, I absolutely loved the Avengers, or Avengers Assemble, as we call it in jolly old England. Oh, really? That's the official title? Yeah, because we have, uh, there's like an old cult TV series called The Avengers, and they made a oh, movie. Oh, that's right. Uh, apparently, <laughs> the, the PR movie. thought that too many people would be confused by the people in suits with uh, um, bowl hats, <laughs> not being the superheroes with the capes and the shiny and the bright colors. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it got changed. <laughs> um, but that's marketing for you. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, I absolutely loved the first Avengers, but I don't see the second one. I, I, um, I, I'm, I'm more than happy to be proven wrong, but I don't. I, for me, I think a lot of what was good about the Avengers was that it was new and it was it was un, uh, uncharted terrain in what they were doing and seeing those characters come together for the first time. I think, yeah. For How Justice do you to, for Justice League to probably outdo the Avengers, or even if the Avengers two does this, just. They're going to have to go bigger in scale as far as instead of everything happening on Earth, maybe they're going to have to go more into the space realm where yeah. maybe for Justice League they go to Apocalypse or something. Batman in space. <laughs> Batman in space. <laughs> 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 He'll have but the rocket know, pack that comes out and the, the, the space helmet. That <laughs> I know there's a lot of people who don't like that, but I really don't have a problem with it, especially how he's portrayed in Justice League because he's gone to Apocalypse a few times in the uh, Justice well, yeah, League no, that, That's true. I suppose if you, yeah, you just bring along uh, old wormhole creating yeah. Cyborg. And <laughs> I guess if you actually see him flying in space in a spacesuit, I could see that that could be a little... <laughs> yeah. Although, well, yeah. Um, no, I, but having having made a joke about uh, the idea of Batman in space, I almost do agree with you um, because I, for me that was one of the big faults with with the Green Lantern movie in the first place was that they tried yeah. to put too much of it on Earth. Yep, not enough uh, in space. Yeah, so yeah, maybe that that would be the way to go. Although again, that seems to be the route Marvel are taking anyway for exactly, their next. Yeah. One. 
I was just saying, DC, if they want to beat them to the punch with that, to separate themselves from the Avengers, they yeah. should do that. Or otherwise, if Avengers 2 is first and they do the whole Thanos thing and they're fighting on different planets in space, then DC is going to look like they're copying them again. Cause, yeah, because unfortunately for DC, now I, I'd say Darkseid's off limits. Because he's just DC, well, you know, he's probably a better Thanos than Thanos is. But yeah, definitely. But the world kind of has an inkling as to who Thanos is now. Yep. Um, whereas Darkseid, you know, is still just kind of to people like you and me. So that really throws a spanner in the works, I'd have thought, in terms of how the Justice League movie could sort of potentially move forward. And, and yeah, you know, I think Marvel have too much ahead of steam because they're going to be yeah. bringing films out leading up to it as well. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, no matter what DC does, and probably as, even if the Justice League movie is really good, everyone's still going to compare them to Marvel as far as like, oh, you're just copying it and it's not as good. But they, they just kind of blew it for themselves. They really did. They're, yeah. Um, and it, it just annoys me that they felt the need to compete because I'd have been more than happy with, one, the excellent Dark Knight trilogy that we've got, See how Superman goes and, and maybe, you know, do a couple more of them. And if they'd done Green Lantern better and more cosmic to begin with, the the potential for the, the Green Lantern franchise to have, you know... Because Green Lantern could have been compared and up there with Star Wars. I know, I was hoping. That was like my and, ultimate expectation. <laughs> and and they should, for me, they should have spent more time trying to do that with Green Lantern and build it up against Star Wars than suddenly get worried about building up superheroes versus the Avengers. Yeah, so it seems like they're trying to make them compete more with Iron Man. Yeah, it's such a reactionary decision. And that's what annoys me, I think, the most is because... They're they're only doing it because the competition are doing it. Yep, exactly. Um, so and, and that's what worries me because you you wonder if the, the guy who's made that decision of oh Marvel did an Avengers film well we need to do a Justice film Justice League film Marvel had a bad guy who came from space well we need a bad guy who came from space and and you know yes that ticks all the boxes in the boardroom meetings uh, as to what they need to do because that equals money to them but it's only going to leave us fans with a bad taste in our mouth in three years' time. I know. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting... I'm so scared. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting few years, to say the least, as far as yeah. DC movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm apprehensive now. I'd love to be in this position in four years' time and go, what the hell was I scared about? Exactly, oh. yeah. That'd be but the best-case scenario. <laughs> it, it would, but, mm, you know, <laughs> we've been let down before. <laughs> but uh, one thing of for sure is going to be pretty good. DC always has a good tracker record of is their animated movies. And have you seen the new trailer for the Dark Knight Returns part one? Yes. Yeah. Um, I uh, not to continue the whole wave of negativity that <laughs> I've got. Maybe it's maybe it's because I'm British. Um, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it, and I think my mixed feelings about it stem from my mixed feelings about Batman Year One. Okay. The, the animated film uh-huh. as opposed to the, the, the comic. Um, what did you think about my year one? I really liked it. I mean, I could understand maybe how it's too faithful to the comic where the pacing of it could be kind of weird for some people. Yeah. But I really liked the fact that it was so faithful to the comic book. I always wanted to see how a movie would be if they like fully adapted it, word yeah. for word, page for page, and they did. And I, I thought it turned out pretty good. 
I'm I'm happy with it. I'll start by saying I don't hate it. I don't hate year one. Um, the and it, I don't even know if it's the faithfulness that bugs me, and like in in terms of the word for word, mm-hmm. because no, no, because like, like you say, I, I kind of I do like the fact that that is something that I read, and and there it is, like fully translated. I always kind of felt that like about Watchmen. I know they change little bits, but Watchmen's as close to a film actually fully copying the source material as as I've ever seen. Um, and for that, I liked it. Um, but the thing about year one, um, it was, for me, was the the art style and the art direction. It felt that in trying to be loyal to what Mazzuccelli did, mm. it just, to me, it came across as a bit bland. And And I don't even know how faithful it kind of is, because if you look back at year one... Um, kind of the colour palette and the textures and stuff, they didn't really carry all that stuff through to the to the movie version. Yeah, if anything, I could maybe look a little too clean and not as gritty as yeah. the comic book. That is exa- yeah, that is exactly what I would say about it, and I think that's what struck me about the trailer for The Dark Knight Returns. Mm-hmm. It just didn't grab me as gritty. Okay. It, it it seemed to me it seems like they've they've kind of done it in exactly the same way as they did year one, and they're kind of they've obviously maybe adopted that as their Frank Miller art style in the in the animation department mm-hmm. sort of thing. Because um, yeah, it, it looked almost too clean for the story that I you know I I didn't want to fall into the trap of saying it didn't look dark enough because I know that you know in when it comes to a cartoon sort of thing, darkness doesn't isn't really how it works but maybe maybe that is it just seemed to lack yeah it seemed to lack shadow which I think is so important to one Batman in general and 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 to kind of the work of Frank Miller Um, and yeah it seemed too clean and on on the subject of too clean um, the the voice of Batman Mm -hmm. while sounding perfect sort of in, in how he sounds Again, the performance didn't grab me, okay. uh, which is a problem I had with Ben McKenzie in mm. year one. I do, because I don't think he, if, when I watch year one, I don't hear a performance. I just hear Ben McKenzie's voice, okay. which, which, you know, kind of works and sounds right for how it should sound. But I just, yeah, um, it, it kind of, it almost turns that whole thing about the fact that they try and find actors who sound correct on its head that I almost need them to find an actor who's actually going to do a performance mm-hmm. rather than just resting on the fact that his voice sounds like what Batman's voice should sound like. Yeah. I think, like you said, I think the voice for Dark Knight Returns, um, it does sound like it'll fit to the style that they're going with. It does yeah. sound cool to what the trailer was, but at the same time, it's just, I guess the animated series fan and me just going to that. Uh, oh, did you want, you want to come right? No, not Conroy. I don't know why I'm blanking on. Oh, Michael Ironside. He does dark side oh, voice, but then yeah, did his yeah. voice in the animated series when the three kids were yes. describing Batman. He did the Dark Knight yeah, yeah. Returns Batman. He was perfect. So in the back of my mind, I just kept yeah. thinking, uh, "I hope they get him. I hope they get him." And then when they did it, I was so little disappointed <laughs> when I heard yeah. that. I mean, I can. To me, I, I know the the episode you're talking about, and and that would be my distinction. Because to me, on face value, those two voices do sound very similar. 
Um, I, I don't know the it's it's Robocop, isn't it? I don't yeah. know. I don't, <laughs> but it's it's Robocop. Robocop's in the Batman voice. Um, you know, it has that same gravelly, six floors deep kind of you know um, effect to it. But I re- you know, and I will compare the scene they did for that episode of the animated series to that scene as it will be presented in The Dark Knight Returns. And I'd hedge my bets that the performance by Michael Ironside, you know, just the passion and the delivery yep. will be better and stronger than what I've heard so far from Dark the the from Robocop. Yeah. Maybe it's, he's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I think what you're saying is going to be true because yeah. I, in the Superman versus the Elite DVD, they had the special feature. It was like a first look at the Dark Knight Returns. And they played an audio clip of when he says that classic line of, this isn't a trash heap, it's an operating table. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I can yeah. re- I already noticed that the way Michael Ironside did it was a lot better. <laughs> yeah, and so, that's, so yeah, that's what my feelings about it, I mean, which is harsh because yeah. I'm really excited about the fact that they're doing, they're doing it. Yeah. Uh, and they're doing it in two parts. Yeah, that's the ever. best part, I think. Because yeah. you got this first part probably is going to deal with the whole mutant thing. And then part two with the Joker and Superman is going to be awesome. <laughs> I can't wait yeah. for that. Oh, yeah. It did fantastic. But, yeah, I wonder if I kind of, I, I, I sort of, because I don't hate year one, I think I'm kind of okay if it just feels like another year one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it will kind of be a question of, oh, what they could have done. Because I'm, I'm not a, I'm never a fan of the idea of doing any of these storylines as live action movies. So I think the animated form is the is the perfect medium to adapt them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you yeah, you kind of you you still need to bring a little bit to the table I think in terms of the adaptation. Um and yeah, I kind of I I wonder what will be what will be left with Although to be fair, the, the Dark Knight Returns is a a more cinematic comic than Year One was. That's true. So you know, so, so there's still potential there that we'll get some some scenes. But I mean, I, you know, if I could rack up a list of best Batman animated scenes, one that the, the one that is currently actually only springing to mind is the standoff between Batman. Jason Todd and the Joker in Under the Red Hood. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that and that is purely because of the vocal performances by the three actors and the fact that the animated style for that film didn't, you know, it didn't it didn't really feel the need to be as loyal to the source material in its look. Uh, yeah, definitely. It had its own. Unique style, I guess, for that yeah, movie rather and, than what's adapted like, from yeah. the comic. And the so the, and the scene that they're in, where it's like that derelict building, isn't it? Yep. That is just so. Because see, that movie is is dark. The Under the Red Hood movie is dark um, in terms of its setting and its tone and and its themes. Like the the scenes in Arkham Asylum in that film as well are just really kind of chilling. And then you've got the John DiMaggio performance of the Joker over the top of that. Um, which you know, because in, for that for that movie, they obviously they didn't feel the need to grab as big names as they seem to have gone 
down the road for for the you know the Frank Miller adaptions that they've done because they're so big they've kind of maybe felt the need to get bigger names to do the voices. Um, is it Frank Weller, or am I? Is that, is that not who's RoboCop? You know what I'm blanking on the name right now. I know I'm not really too That's, familiar yeah, with him, but just pluck, pluck that out of thin air. If I'm right, go me. If if I'm wrong, then I don't know where that came from. <laughs> But no man. Um, but yeah, and so I'd have I'd have almost preferred them to have gone with those kind of unknown. I know John DiMaggio isn't exactly unknown, but he's he's a he's a voice artist rather than like you know a famous actor or, or someone like yeah. that. Um, having said that, Brian Cranston did a fantastic job as Jim Gordon. Yeah, he was great. And and you know would be my first choice for Jim Gordon in a reboot. I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, whether he'd get it, because, you know, of, I don't know if he's A-list enough, really, in terms of movies. So he's making uh, a name for himself now with uh, but, Breaking well, Bad. But, yeah, actually, Breaking Bad has certainly put him kind of into the spotlight, you know, more so than Malcolm in the Middle yeah. of it. <laughs> Even though he was great in that, too. <laughs> he was fantastic in that. Yeah. He's brilliant. Because, uh, yeah, he was a brilliant Jim Gordon. He kind of really, which, I mean, so that is one of the saving graces of year one because that film is about Jim Gordon. So the fact that Jim Gordon was brilliant definitely saved it a little bit. Yeah. Overall, though, from when I saw the trailer, I think it looks great. I think it's going to be, to me, I think it looks, it's going to be better than year one. Yeah, I, yeah, I feel like I've taken our conversation in a horribly <laughs> negative, uh, all I've been is negative. I am really excited there, about this. There were uh, some really cool shots, especially some classic shots where he's jumping in the sky and then you see the lightning strike. Yeah. And that was awesome. And then to see him break through the wall grabbing those mutants, <laughs> just, it's just going to be cool. It, it will be very, yeah, it'll be very cool to, because it's, it's a kind of, it's a quicker way to show someone new to the world of Batman kind of it, it, it will be great that the film being out there itself will introduce that to a, you know a wider audience yeah um because uh, you know a lot more people will pick up a batman dvd they see in the shops than they would want to actually pick up a, a comic book even though you know because like as far as comics go the dark knight returns is the one that's on most shelves in bookshops and stuff <laughs> yeah. it, it, that is pretty heavily circulated but still might not be the thing that people pick up and, and want to read, especially because of, you know, Frank Miller's um, artwork is so kind of unique, <laughs> for lack of a better expression, that, you know, it doesn't, it isn't always the easiest thing to pick up, but, you know, that, that DVD will certainly broaden that kind of, um, uh, and a lot of people are going to be confused because they aren't going to know what, it, well, you know, why isn't Christian Bale? Yeah. Why is Batman should, suddenly big and all? Should this be called Rises, not Returns? What is this? <laughs> yeah, people will be like, "What? They did a cartoon version of the movie." <laughs> but one thing I am disappointed with, though, is they announced the special features for it, and the release date comes out though, September twenty fifth. But um, the special features on it are pretty weak. I mean, you get one new feature, which is mainly going to focus on Carrie Kelly as Robin. But yeah. then they were rehashing special features that was on the Gotham Knights DVD, which is a oh, really? Batman and me Bob Kane story, yeah. which is a little disappointing. I mean, it's a great documentary, but we already got it before. How about something new? Well, this this is this is the time in the conversation where I actually have um, a reason to be the grumpy British person <laughs> in the conversation, um, because we don't get the DVDs like you get 
DVDs, unfortunately, yeah. uh, because of, I don't know, licensing agreements or, or whatever. Um, so if that DVD does actually arrive on these shores on September 25th, I will be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> um, and then when it does arrive, um, we'll be lucky if we get the Carrie Kelly documentary <laughs> as our special features. Um, because, yeah, I've, you know, I, I, scout around and as soon as these become available because it's all to do with the region codes oh uh-huh, yeah uh, that we can't you know because otherwise I, i'd just you know get straight on ebay um and, and get an american copy but it wouldn't it wouldn't work in in my player so i i you know wait and bide my time but scour the internet waiting for the the uk version to be released you know so i can eventually see it three months after you guys have <laughs> um and and we always seem to get the watered down version um case in point um gotham the gotham knight that you were talking about there that did actually that for us came out the week dark knight came out so i think that was just a few weeks after you guys who kind of had it as a build-up to the dark knight coming out uh, we got it literally as the movie came out and i picked that up straight away uk version um which had I think the only special feature it had was kind of that sneak peek that would have been on a previous DVD. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, that that, well, that was, is pretty weak. That was, um, and then so that was all we had. But then, just as kind of crazy luck would have it, they packaged the dar- uh, the, the Gotham Knight um, Blu-ray with the Arkham City Special Edition. Okay, over here was uh, year um, one. <laughs> Oh, was it? Oh, right. Well, there you go. And so Arkham City must have come out, what, three years after The Dark Knight came out? Yep. And that was the only way you could actually get that version of the Blu-ray was in the Arkham City Special Edition. And that did have all the special features that you guys had had on your version the week before Dark Knight came out. (laughs) So we got it. Yeah, we got it three years later as part of the special edition. Yeah, that's messed up. I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I will I will get on my soapbox about this sort of thing. Because we still you can't buy the animated series uh the complete animated series in the shop. I don't know if I could survive over there but <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't even have the animated series. You can get it on iTunes, um, of which you can get I think you can get most of Batman Beyond on iTunes. You can only get the first two series of the Batman on UK iTunes. Can't can't get the DVDs in the shops. But you can get the first two series of the Batman. You can get the first four episodes of Batman Brave and the Bold. Oh man, four, that's it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, on, on iTunes. Um and again, not in the shops. Um or the, or they do they do like volume DVDs, so you pay what like six to ten quid so what fifteen dollars um for a dvd that has four episodes yeah, i hate it when they do that just release yeah. the box then. yeah exactly and i it blows my mind as to why warner brothers think that that is what people you know that is the way for them to earn money because if they i would literally if they had brought out the complete set of every batman animated series that there had ever been in this country i'd have bought them all 
And I, you know, I, I doubt I'm the only person who would say that in this country. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah you really know, sucks for you guys. <laughs> yeah, so if you don't want the money, Warner Brothers, that's fine. Apparently, <laughs> you know, we'll just sit here and be grumpy. That, this is why I'm grumpy about him. <laughs> and yeah. reason. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, that's a pretty good reason. <laughs> I would be the exact yeah. same way. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Dark Knight Returns, September 25th. It's only when they release and they release like that's only a month away so it's pretty yeah. good yeah, so it's going to be here before you know it do we know how long it will be till the second part comes out um, I'm guessing February that's usually yeah. when the first yeah. movie of the year comes out is like around February because that's kind of that that bugs me a little bit but again that's just them trying to earn a bit more money sort of thing I suppose that, to me I'd have you know just bring them out together as a as a four disc set or whatever you know with with an inflated price that's fine yeah. but at least you get to watch it all from the go yeah having two parts I guess is better than a rush one <laughs> Yeah, yeah no definitely definitely agree with that but and it'll be interesting to see how they finish part one yeah um, it's been a while since I read yeah. uh, the comic. It's probably going to be about 15 years or so. I haven't read it, but I'll, I'll have to refresh on it before the movie comes out. I always do that with the releases. Um, the comic is split into four chapters, isn't it? So I suppose the easy line to draw is the is in between. Uh, what do you know? Do one and two, yeah. and then four. Um, and I yeah, I think it, it well, it'll maybe be. Um, oh, I think yeah. At the end of comic two is when he defeats the mutant leader. The yeah, end of, end of chapter one. Will be. End of chapter one, he defeats Two Face. End of chapter two, he defeats um, mutants. End of chapter three, he defeats Joker. End of chapter four, he defeats Superman. So the, yeah, I imagine that that'll be the way. That yeah, because Joker won't even be in this one, will he? No, probably not. Maybe, uh, uh, you know, when he's in Arkham Asylum, you just see him silently sort of being there. Um, but yes, I am looking forward to it. As <laughs> negative as I can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, some disappointing news that came out this week was it was revealed that uh, Paul Dini said he's not going to be involved with the next Arkham game. Yes. Which is kind of like, it's not really his fault because pretty much Warner Brothers told him, like, <laughs> Don't yeah. wait on us. You might want to book your schedule before we announce anything because we don't know what we're doing yet to that regard. So yeah, he did that, and now his schedule's booked. It's, I think it came about when they asked him about that rumor about the Justice League being featured in the third game, and it kind of took him by surprise and just made him realize, okay, well, I guess they're going to go in another direction without me. So yeah, he's pretty yeah. much out, which is disappointing. Yeah, I think it would be more disappointing um, if – because as far as I, I'm aware, that it, it's going to be a prequel game, isn't it? That's the rumor, yeah. That's yeah. officially been announced. But. Right. If if that is the case, then this won't disappoint me as much as if it was going to be a direct sequel to Arkham City. That would be a travesty. That would be, you know, kind of, are, are you serious? You know, how don't don't rock the boat now that you've done, you know, the, that'd be like Warner Brothers giving someone else the third Dark Knight movie yeah. <laughs> to someone other than Chris Nolan. You know, that that just wouldn't make, the, but the fact that it's going to be a prequel, I think, I can I can live with that sort of thing. And I suppose it, it you get to a point with things like these Arkham games where the need for a bigger game takes over the need for a bigger story. 
yeah, yeah, gameplay definitely comes first over the story and games. Anyway, yeah, me, but. and I think, you know, as, as great as what Paul Dini had done with the first two, they maybe were in danger that whatever he'd have kind of thought up for the third one would have only allowed for the same sort of gameplay. I, I don't know, because that maybe that's being harsh on Paul Dini saying he couldn't have written a bigger game, because I'm sure he could have. Yeah. But but he's also, what he is very good at is the, the you know, the intricate character moments and, and all those, the, that attention to detail, which it sounds like, you know, as a game, what they kind of want now is they want you to be able to play as whichever member of the Justice League you want and defeat countless sort of hordes of bad guys and not have to worry too much about which telephone Victor Zaz is calling you from, <laughs> I think. But if I remember right, it's supposed to have to deal with Batman and Joker's first encounter. And I think oh, that's... Really? I'm pretty sure that's what it was around the rumors of the story is going to be. Uh, right, and see. then the, one thing you will miss if he's not there is the dialogue he writes between Batman and Joker. Cause oh, gotcha. I personally think no one does it better than him. Yeah, because, well, if that is the case, then, yeah, that is a bit of a... Because, you know, good luck to whoever they hire who's going to write that type thing. Maybe it'll be Scott Snyder. <laughs> Maybe it will, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a disappointing when I read that, but... Because, well, and that that's interesting, because that, to me, is an occasion that shouldn't really include the Justice League. Yeah, there's probably going to be a bigger story involved with it, if the rumor yeah. is true, but I think you were... What it said was like you will see Batman and Joker's first encounter, and right. if Paul Dini's not going to be involved, I wonder if that means maybe Mark Hamill's not going to come back for it either. No, and I suppose the excuse there is that it'll be a younger Joker, so you could kind That's of get away with it. Um, but I hope it doesn't mean uh, Kevin Conroy's not coming back. <laughs> yeah, well, or possibly. You, you did. Who's who's to say? Who's to say in yeah. how this crazy business works? And. I yeah I think the unfortunate thing to the which will be a shame because I think it'll it will lead to a a, a lesser quality game but that maybe they are the need for it to be a bigger in terms of gameplay is now gonna kind of cloud out the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at the same time, we really shouldn't doubt Rocksteady at this point, considering no, how great well, a job yeah. they did the first no. two. So we should at least face them, kind of like. We we were with Nolan in the Dark Knight trilogy, where maybe certain things we would think to ourselves, yeah. "Oh, why are they doing that?" But at the same time, well, Nolan knows what he's doing, so it's probably the same thing with Rocksteady. I would think. I hope so. Although, it, 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 see, I did Rocksteady to me more represent kind of the Warner Brothers aspect of you know they they make the game like Warner Brothers make the film sort of thing. But you you need the writer, you need the Chris Nolan, Paul Dini. Kind of, kind of up there, but well, um, I, just, I, I have faith in them that they won't just get anyone to yeah. get a cheap story in there just for the sake of it. But I think they'll spend like the quality time to make sure they get the right person yeah. for the job. Those, those, yeah, those games have always been far more loyal to the to the comics. And I don't think that can't possibly have just come from Paul Dini. You know, all, all those details, yeah. of those two games that hasn't all because like literally. Paul Dini would be in a puddle on the floor of how much he'd have had to have extract from, you know, his brain <laughs> yeah. to, to give them all that information. So, that, yeah, there's obviously, there, there are extra people within that team who, who were there, you know, to kind of add those extra details. And, uh, yeah, and as long as they do that again, because that is what is, you know, what makes the games brilliant for, you know, fans like us, 
then and, and it would be nice to see them kind of do that with those other characters like Flash and Green Lantern and Superman if he turns up sort of thing but then this kind of throws it all up in the air again that if Rocksteady are going to come along and do a Justice League game even if it sort of does focus on Batman first but are they not then stealing the thunder from their own movie <laughs> I think the plan is to get people hyped up for the movie with this game. Right. So that's their thinking. But that's their thinking. <laughs> we know what thinking does when it's done by Hollywood movie company. Yeah. <laughs> we know what happens. I just hope it's not a direct tie into the movie because we all know how bad those games turn out. <laughs> They've really it's only been a handful of good movie based. Oh games. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, although, if I mean, if Rock, you know, if anyone was doing a movie tie-in game, I'd like it to be Rocksteady. Yeah, the thing is, even good developers that I know that have done it in the past, like, they're just so rushed to get it out in time for the yeah. movie that, and they out don't, of their control, they can't do what they want to do fully. Yeah, and they never get as much information as they should. Exactly, because, yeah. Um, they don't want to, the, the people don't want the movie to be spoiled, um, so they don't want to tell, you know, the people making the game of the movie, the whole plot or whatever, yeah. <laughs> which is, I mean, that is the one, I know there's the new, there's an iOS game that's out now for the Dark Knight Rises sort of thing. Yeah. I think the, the the great thing was, oh, there was actually, there was a Batman Begins game as well. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, but it, it wasn't the greatest. It was I no mean, Arkham City. Yeah. I'm very glad that they didn't do a Dark Knight game. Yeah. Um, I think there was it, one in development, but it got canned. Yeah, and probably because Chris Nolan went, you know what, I'm, not, I'm telling you, Jack, I'm not telling you anything, so... <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Good, good luck making your game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what they did for the Amazing Spider-Man game. For Instead of having it be based on the movie, they said it after the movie. And then okay. in the game, you see uh, Kurt Connors and the Lizard, so you already know that he doesn't die in the movie. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Thing that would spoil it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just better if, they, if it's not a tie-in at all and just have it be its own Justice League game. That would be yeah. a compliment to the movie or something. Which is interesting, because going back to the earlier Justice League conversa- uh, conversation that we were having, uh-huh. they, could, they could do worse than um, using the Arkham games as a basis for the style of the yeah. Justice League movie. Uh, I think, you know, that would be awesome if they... you Because know, that is the way... I think that's the way to bridge the gap between... It's the best way to bridge the gap between comics and reality is the way those games are done and presented. Yep. They are larger than life in all the right ways. You know, Bane is still 12 foot tall and (laughs) bulging to the masses, but there's just something... You know, there's that essence of reality still in there. You know, Batman is wearing a grey suit, which is the kind of larger-than-life comic book version. But the suit looks real, and there's texture, and, you know, it's it, it's how to do a comic book real, I think, was done by the games first. So, yeah, it, yeah that'd be a for cool the, the look of it, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It would be cool if they took it from the Arkham game. I would love to see a Batman costume be in a movie. Oh, definitely. Yeah, as a as a costume sort of guy, <laughs> um, I, I would love to see that kind of Arkham look for the new um, kind of Batman costume. Yep. So, yeah, going over to the comic side of things, there really wasn't any news that happened over the past few, two weeks that caught my interest. The only thing really is that I didn't know about this until recently, that um, for issues, I think, number 13 and 14 of Nightwing, they're getting a new creative team where kind of like give Kyle Higgins a breather before, so for he could focus on his Joker story with Scott Snyder. Yeah. So 
that was the only thing that kind of caught my interest was that um, was it uh, Tom DeFalco's taking over the writer yes. for it? Who well, I I don't know him at all. Uh, have you heard any? Not really, but the premise of it has caught my interest. Where it's uh, Nightwing going against Lady Shiva, so it'll be interesting to see how she is in the new Fifty Two. It looks like they're going with a younger version of her. Yeah, um, because what because what also caught my attention about this um, is that they've changed the solicitation for Nightwing Zero, uh, which is also going to be written by Tom DeFalco. Yeah. I think Kyle Higgins did outline the story in that kind of way that Scott Snyder does on occasion for his little protégés. Yeah. Um, but Tom DeFalco has kind of come in and, and kind of um, finished the job. Um, and apparently... Um, you will see Lady Shiva first in the Zero issue. Obviously, a younger Lady Shiva. Um, and then she'll be in 13 and 14. So it actually now sounds to me like they're doing a clever little um, three-issue arc, just, you know, in, in, in to bridge the gap, like you said. Yeah. Higgins comes back to do the Joker thing, which which I think, I you know, I'm, I'm all for that. I do like a, a little done-in-three um, arc every now and then because they're just you know they it, it brings comics closer to kind of that animated series style of you know this week it's such and such and we'll do a little story with them and then it'll finish with kind of very few hanging threads and we'll we'll go on to the next story which is is the bigger main event kind of one um, but I like these little these little stories so yeah I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it I mean. I really like Kyle Higgins, and I think his writing on Nightwing is amazing. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how I compare the two. But I'm not, you know, I don't want to judge Tom DeFalco yet because I've never written anything he's written. So they may be, they may be really good issues. Yeah, I'm also wondering too, since this is Lady Shiva's introduction to the New Fifty Two, if we'll get any hints about uh, Cassandra Kane. that's her mother. So. Yeah, don't. Uh... Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> I know, but if they are doing a younger version of Lady Shiva, then <laughs> what does that mean yeah, for Cassandra exactly. King? <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. That's that's gonna light up the internet, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> In a couple of weeks' time, I'm really interested to see the Nightwing Zero issue. To be fair, because um, I'm I feel very protective about the Dick Grayson origin, and I'm sure you probably do too. Yep. Yeah, like talking about Dark Victory and stuff. Um, I I completely trust Kyle Higgins, but you know, in the new 52, anything can happen, so... Yeah, just look uh, at um, Batman Annual with Mr. Freeze. I don't think yeah. I've asked you about it. What did you think about that? Because I was actually a little disappointed with the twist ending with Mr. Freeze. Oh, see, I wasn't. Mm. Um, I actually, no, I, I enjoyed that because I finally thought that um, it gave Mr. Freeze more life beyond that one storyline which I think has always been a bit of a dead weight for the character. That I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, it's powerful and it's brilliant and we will all love Heart of Ice forever. But if Nora Freeze is Mr. Freeze's wife and his whole M.O. of being a, you know, a bad guy is because he's trying to save her, because she's his wife sort of thing... Um, He's he's not really a bad guy, and there's only so long that that can kind of carry on before it just feels like a bit like, why haven't you cured her already? Or why hasn't someone taken the big frozen lump away from you and sort of let you not have it? Yes, Uh, my thing on that is, because 
I was talking about this with Dane. He's on your side. <laughs> like, it's right, you yeah. and Dane and then me and Gary on the other side about right. our opinions of it. I just think that's what separated Mr. Freeze from just being an ordinary Batman villain who's always been crazy. But yeah. had this sympathy for him, which I think defined him as a character and separated himself as a character. And from what you're saying about him always trying to find a cure for his wife, yeah. uh, the animated series handled that in the future episodes where Bruce Wayne actually did cure his wife. But Mr. Freeze never went to go see her. She had to start her life. She married someone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. So then he's like, was this out for vengeance? Like, the one woman he loved was taken away from him, so now he's going to make everyone else lose what they love most. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, um, I don't I, – I still agree with you. That is probably a better character. I think it really just comes down to the longevity of, of him as a character. Mm-hmm. That, like, you, you know, that worked perfectly in the animated series because, what, in total, he's probably in about five episodes in the movie, uh, the Sub-Zero movie sort of thing. Yeah, so you can, like four. <laughs> yeah, so you movie, can, you can really develop an arc there and have a beginning, you know, middle and end to it sort of thing. But, you know, comics are going to, we know this, you know, comics are going to keep going and keep churning and keep going on forever. And if you want to use that character... I don't think every story he's in can, you know, just be about the um, him not really being a bad guy and, and trying to save his wife because eventually it just gets repetitive. I think, and you know, you can only you can only write Heart of Ice kind of once, really, um, without every other, you know, of that type of storyline either being compared to Heart of Ice or just feeling like the same story. Um, so I, that twist for me actually opened the can of worms of, okay, there's a lot more you can do with him now. Um, he's, you know, I did sort of, for me, it took the shackles of Nora away from him as, because, you know, that do, it doesn't change Heart of Ice and the animated series arc. You know, they will always still be there. Oh, yeah. But... Um, so you can always enjoy that version of Mr. Freeze in that way. Um, I just think that from you know from now on we can um, he can be he can do more I think if people want to use him. Yeah, I can see that. But at the same time, I think have a good writer could do the same thing with the Heart of Ice origin still intact. I think there's different ways you can still use him. As you calling Scott either a bad writer? No, okay. <laughs> Maybe I should have rephrased that. That's the last thing I want to say. <laughs> Especially um, which we'll get into with Batman number twelve. <laughs> but Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean I think it's gonna be a split Yeah. He's yeah. on Mr. Freeze for a while. <laughs> this is gonna be No, and, and to be fair, I think, you know, it's it's you kind of don't envy the writers in a way because they're up against yeah. sort of thing and every decision they make is going to get, you know, judged and, and fought over and everything 'cause um the, the same will happen with, with Nightwing Zero. It's yep. a it's a big task to face because I you know I already it doesn't I mean you know it's not a big thing that I'll get really upset about and stop buying the comics over but the fact that they've already retconned Dick Grayson to being what sixteen when he becomes Robin so like that. I think he's like fourteen in those flashback sequences and Haley Circus yeah I think that was certainly the certainly teenager sort of and, and yeah you know, which kind of gets me worried like oh no they're kind of heading to that Batman Forever type age <laughs> uh, yeah although thankfully in comics they can't draw a thirty year old fourteen year old so it's fine um, 
but yeah, I you know it certainly for me it takes away some of the the kind of um, the romance of the idea of Robin of Dick Grayson just being this phenomenal like almost hit girl esque ninja kid. Yeah, uh, which which is what is so brilliant about Damien now um, as the Robin. That is you know that is for me they've got Robin back to what he needs to be and, and certainly updated him for the modern world and the fact that he's a 10-year-old kid sort of thing. Um, and so for Dick Grayson not to have been that already didn't sit too well with me. Yeah, so, another point for that with his age too, another thing that makes like his relationship with Bruce like so special was that he was around the same age when Bruce lost his parents. So that's why Bruce yeah. could relate to him and kind of wanted to take him in. But if he's a little older now, it kind of loses a little bit of that impact. Yeah, because a uh, grieving child compared to a troubled teenager. Yeah. They're two very different concepts. Yep. Um, so, good luck. <laughs> yeah, well, we shall see. <laughs> yeah, Tom DeMarco. <laughs> uh, but in general, I'm excited for all the Zero issues, kind of get, especially the Batman yeah. titles, get more no, into definitely. those origins. I think, um, see, I was, it didn't really phase me to um, do the whole, ooh, it's the new 52, I'm going to buy all the number ones, just to, because, you know, I'm, I'm proud to sort of say that I'm a DC guy through and through, really, yeah. in, in what I buy. Um, and, you know, there was a little bit of excitement there of, a, do I want to get all these number one issues? But the way they went about it, in the sense that it, they, you know, they kind of just dropped everyone in the middle. Yeah, it wasn't a true beginning, like starting that, point. Yeah. So that that put me off of a, oh well, maybe you know I don't. Um, it's going to be, it's not going to be that easy to jump on board different series if they are just dropping people in the middle of things that they might already know. For example, like with Green Lantern number one yeah. being Sinestro sort of thing. Whereas the zero issues, the zero issues really speak to me, and and you know as a, as a kind of one-off occasional collector type thing i think getting the collected edition of all the zero issues is something i'd really look to do because that is going to become that more so than the number ones will be the new bible to the dc universe that's true yeah if you if you, li- you want to introduce a person to the you know uh, who's new to comics to dc all you'll have to do is give them all the zero issues and you know they'll know how Batman became Batman, how Nightwing became Nightwing. You know, even it, it, obviously it's a single issue, so it'll just be a taster. But it will, yeah, it will be a really cool jumping on point, I think. Possibly even more so than the new 52. I think, yeah, I think you're right, too. It's going to be, except for the books that are now cancelled, though. <laughs> we'll get yeah, yeah, issue yeah. number zero. <laughs> but, oh, well. So, um, yeah, I guess since we're in comics discussion might as well get into the comic review section cool so for first off gotta let everyone know our reviews are going to be spoiler heavy so if you haven't read any of the issues for the week of august 1st and august 8th um, you might want to hold off because we will be getting into detail of the story plots for all these comics and i guess for our scaling system for this episode i think we'll still continue on the dark knight rises themes since we're talking about all the great, the great uh, lines Bane had, I guess our scaling system will be uh, quotable Bane lines. Amazing. <laughs> so uh, I guess we'll go ahead and kick off with, on August 1st, Detective Comics number 12. And thankfully, this is the last issue 
of Tony Daniels run undetected. It, it's not, though. It's not. That's the thing. I've been celebrating for two weeks thinking it was, and then I found out about the uh, annual. Ah, uh, the annual. <laughs> the annual. We were so close. We were so close. Um, but, 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 yes, I still echo that sentiment. Yeah. Finally, Tony Daniels' main run on Detective Comics has ended. And it couldn't have come at a better time, either, because... Yeah, this storyline was just boring from the start, and it was boring from the conclusion. <laughs> just <laughs> couldn't get into anything. I mean, the art was okay. There were some cool shots of Batman, but the the main villain who's, like, cloning himself, what was his name, uh, Hugh Martyr. Then we get that yeah. twist that Mr. Toxic wasn't actually the real Hugh Martyr, and he's the guy with a messed up face. And then this... Wasn't he, he was a clone of Hugh Martyr. Yeah, that Mr. Toxic, or... yeah. And there, were, and there were, but there were several clones. Yeah. They were all clones. Anyone who'd been in any ten, all of all of Tony Daniels' excessive created sidekick villains yeah. over the last twelve issues had all been Humada. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> they hadn't. If anyone's taking my word as gospel, <laughs> in the comic. That does sound like something we'd probably do. But <laughs> yeah, it just ends real abruptly too, with Batman stopping him, and then he just hauls him off and says that line. I. I hope I don't live to regret saving your life or something like that. And that was it. Yeah. There was maybe the one cool shot of uh, Batman in the sky with that uh, jetpack he has on with his whole um, face. Yeah, I thought the the last the last shot where he was like, uh, "I saved your life" or whatever. It, just in terms of, I mean, that is the one. I don't even know if it's enough to call it a saving grace about Tony Daniel, but the, the artwork is is up there, you know. Yeah. Kind of with the belly. He, he, the guy can draw. Can't write, but he can draw. Um, <laughs> but, and I think he, he definitely maybe upped his game a little bit in this last issue. You know, he seemed to, there were a few more kind of Hollywood shots I found in, in the, kind of in a couple of the previous issues, it even seemed like he was getting bored with drawing as well as writing sort of thing. So I think he'd slacked off a bit. Seemed to tighten up a bit, and the, like you say, there was the the, the cool jetpack splash page. Um, there were a couple of good when you know the crazy weird exploding clay face gas or whatever <laughs> was engulfing Bruce. You know, there was, there was definitely yeah. some good artwork there. More splash pages than usual, I would say too. Yeah, <laughs> like you were saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I don't know. Are they are they quicker to do? Did you just want to get done and then uh, get out of there? Because. Yeah, all, all in all, as excited as I was by Detective Comics issue one, um, I I still, yeah, I still think that's one of the best single issues of the new Fifty Two. Yeah. But from there, it just dissolved yep. into. Um, I mean, I did, you know, I, I, at the beginning, I didn't mind the Dollmaker storyline. Um, Same here, yeah. But he he dropped the ball with it. Yeah, like, by the time we got to issue number three, that's where it was getting, okay. <laughs> this is so when he, when he dropped the ball with the one decent storyline that he seemed to have come <laughs> up with, and, and we just fell back into, well, we fell back into Tony Daniel pre-New 52 Batman run um, yeah. with the with the Charlotte Rivers sisters sort of thing. Um, was it Charlotte Rivers? Uh, probably <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, her sister. How forgettable they were. And yeah, and which because that is that's what's ludicrous is that in two issues of the new run on Batman: The Dark Knight, um, oh god, what's he called? Greg Horwitz. Oh. 
has done has written a far better oh, yeah. um, female char- girlfriend character for Bruce than Tony Daniel did in 12. And, and he made her like the focus of the story, like for many of those issues. Um, and she and then and then she just went like every, you know, it's the, there are reasons certain things are cliches, like the fact that, you know, all the girls do leave Batman sort of thing and he'll always be on his own. Mm. But that but that shouldn't mean that that can just be your go to story move. Yeah. Of oh well, every every girl ends up leaving Bruce and starting a new life somewhere else. So that's yeah. what I write because everyone's written that. What's different with uh, what Greg Hurwitz is doing in Dark Knight? It's already starting off like that, where she wants to leave him, and, yeah. and they're kind of working it out. Well, maybe she'll stay with him at the end. They're kind of doing the reverse on that. Which is yeah, terrible. and and in two issues, that character is just so much more intriguing than Charlotte Rivers ever was. Yep. Um, and and that's that's just disappointing. Because there's, you know, there is a there's a time and place where you can slip into the mold of, you know, what makes a good Batman story a good Batman story, but it just it, that wasn't the case, I don't think, with any of this run, really. No way. I mean, the only thing that saves this issue for me is the backup story that we got with it. That's well, a, yeah, a prelude and, to the Joker story. It, I, it sort of it, Tony Daniels' entire run has sort of angered me so much in terms of the writing that I almost don't want to count the backup as being part of that <laughs> same issue um, because yeah, the backup was phenomenal, and I think you know it, it's almost like I kind of wish we hadn't wasted three minutes speaking about the the stuff Tony Daniels <laughs> did. We should have just considered the entire backup the because because you know I'd have. I'd have been happy with what I'd spent my money on if the backup had been the entire issue and I got nothing else. Same here, yeah. But this, uh, is, a, this is like a creepy feeling they got throughout that whole segment. Then when you find out that it's just Bullock messing with yeah, uh, yeah. that rookie cop, <laughs> it was great. It's it's such a great it, um, and you know it was it was a, almost a two weeks for it where we got those great Batman stories that don't actually include Batman. Yeah. Uh, and and so often, those are the ones that do get remembered. And it, and it, it seems to be, you know, something that happens in Batman comics or the animated series more than it does with other characters. And maybe that's because they've, you know, expanded Batman's universe so far um, or more than in, in other characters sort of thing. But and, and maybe because there's more street-level characters in Gotham than there is in, in other kind of continuities of superheroes and stuff. But yeah, so to, to do an entire story with a rookie cop and Bullock, and have it be, and and then obviously the foreboding presence of the man who laughs, the Joker. Yeah, that end. that last panel with his face on there. Yeah, yeah. this makes you more anxious to see what it exactly is he going to look like in this new arc. Yeah, and it also um, for me was the that was the. Um, this was the issue where, Je- is it James Tinian? I believe so. Yeah, it, uh, if I've pronounced that horribly, because yeah, it is. Um, then I apologize. Um, I know he, James Tinian the fourth, yeah. um, as he goes by on Twitter. Um, That's how he's credited in the comic, too. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, that, for me, was his arrival. He, he is, I can, I can, now I'm, I'm, I'm on board with him, sort of thing, because... 
Um, you, you know, and, and to be fair, the, the previous issues he's done, he's kind of just been following what Snyder's plotted out for him sort of thing. So to finally see him kind of cut loose and do his own thing, and for it to be that, um, really excites me about, you know, what he is capable of writing in the future. Yeah, same here. I mean, this makes you more excited for the <laughs> Joker art to hurry up and come, yeah. I think we're going to be in for something special with this one. I think the artwork of the backup was brilliant as well. Yeah. Uh, um, because it, it reminded me of, um, you know, I, I think it, Fraser Irving, who did um, a, a bit of the run of the Grant Morrison, like Batman yeah. and, mm. and, and Batman and Robin, kind of reminded me of that style, but um, but it still felt more comic booky than it, uh, than Fraser Irving's does. Yeah, I would agree I, with that. I yeah, think I this was, is better, too. Fraser Irving, I mean, it, I couldn't really get into it a lot in some of the Grant Morrison issues. Yeah, it always takes me out of the story a bit too much because it's so kind of excessively photoshopped, and I know that's his style and that's, you know, that is what he's doing, but it, it never felt like a nice enough blend between the the medium of comic art that we know and that kind of more graphically photoshopped style. This This, I felt, struck the balance brilliantly. I mean, because you had, like, you know, the characters had more kind of flat colours to them, but then the, the backgrounds had the textures and the shadows and kind of almost, you know, photorealistic, um, really sold the, the creepy nature of that story. Yeah, definitely. Everything about the backup worked really yeah. good and just sets it up perfectly. So, but unfortunately, it wasn't a – you can't really base a whole issue off that backup. So <laughs> with that backup, I'm probably going to score it. Uh, two out of five uh, quotable Bane lines for The Dark Knight Rises. I mean, if it I, didn't have that backup, it might have got a one. Yeah, I, zero. Hate, <laughs> I, it, I can't believe that we're talking. It, it saddens me that we're talking about the issue that that backup was in. Yeah. <laughs> Both going to agree on a two quotable Bane lines out of five because it it sucks for that backup. That it will all, it's kind of, it's going to be tarred with that issue for, for its existence sort of thing. Whereas, you know, hopefully they'll, um, when they do like a collected trade of the, um, death of the family story, maybe if they tag that on at the beginning as like a little prologue. Yeah. Or maybe even put the first, uh, issue of Detective in there to start it off, then have this backup and then get into the main arc. I think that's given, to, no, I, Tony Daniel doesn't deserve that. <laughs> the story might, Maybe, but Daniel doesn't. <laughs> reward him for his one good issue that he did. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, next would be Batwing number 12. Did you happen to read this one? I didn't, I'm afraid. Um, almost stubborn to the point of um, boredom is that I remain on my stance that this character still should be Nightrunner <laughs> <laughs> and not Batwing. Despite all the good things I've heard in, in you know, little droves about this series, do you, do you read it? Is it enjoyable? Yeah. I mean, I when I first heard Batwing was in House of the Tide, I thought the same thing. I mean, I thought Nightrunner was a much uh, better character, especially his costume. <laughs> Yeah. But being part of the Bat titles, I got the first issue. I liked it, and the arc continued on. I really got into that first arc that he had. And the character of Batwing, despite his costume, <laughs> is a really yeah. cool character. I really like him a lot. So I, um, I stuck with the issue, or yeah. every issue that he's had so far. I bought the I bought the Knight of Owls tie-in, mm -hmm. and unfortunately that didn't, that didn't sell me either. Yeah, that's not... Uh, Really, a good issue. No, that's not, yeah, I know that's not really fair because because of of what that. Um, but yeah, I just 
Mm, it's I don't know, I mean, which is fine. I mean, there's a bloody there's enough bat titles out there to a point where you're not going to like everyone, sort yeah. of thing. Um, and it just doesn't. It, it's something that doesn't resonate with me personally as a reader. Yeah, the one thing that gets me about a lot of the issues of Batwing, in particular, including this one, where I think he's a good enough character to have stories where it's just him focusing on his villains or opponents, which is how the first arc started off with. But now it seems like quite a few after that, he's always teaming up with somebody. That's kind of overshadowing. And this one is uh, the Justice League International. Oh, okay. Um, I think there was a crossover, because it started off where they're already teamed up in this issue. It starts off with them fighting the bad guy already. So um, I haven't gotten Justice League International in a while, so I wonder if I missed something. I there, but... didn't get cancelled, or is it about to be cancelled? No, as far as I know, it's still going on. Oh, is it? I haven't oh, heard anything good. about it being cancelled. But... Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but this issue it wasn't as strong as the first arc that it had. I know we talked about it with the previous issues, I think number 11 and 10, that started this arc off. It, I mean, it has to deal with this, like, warlord who calls himself uh, Lord Battle, <laughs> which, Lord isn't, Battle. Yeah, which isn't the most unique name, I would say. That even almost um, stems away from Lord Deathman, which, yeah. you know, so bad it was actually quite good yeah. in, uh, in Grant Morrison's thing. But, yeah, Lord Battle, okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty much he has control of this whole land. He's, like, taking over it, and then um, he kidnapped one of uh, Batwing's allies, kind of like his Alfred. Right. So they're out to stop him and to rescue him. And then I did like how the twist um, revealed about uh, Lord Battle's power where it was tied to um, the land he was in, where if they took away took him away from that spot, he would lose all his power, and then the whole land would, like, pretty much uh, turn to waste where it's, like, all the grass and trees dies and turns into a wasteland. So, like, okay. he was connected with that land, and that's how they defeated yeah. him. I did like I that twist, if, but... Um... Do you reckon that I like not that I? This is really just speculation from reading different things. Is, is that maybe something that might tie into the whole rot world thing that's going on? Mm. That's an interesting point because I haven't read Swamp Thing or uh, yeah, Animal. Not neither have I, but you know, you you see all the adverts and stuff for it because I know that um, Poison Ivy is is going to be part of that, isn't yeah. she? Yeah, um, that makes sense. Yeah. It did, yeah, it's kind of one of those things that, like, um, like when they did the um, Blackest Night, and, you know, like, for all the different emotional spectrum, they kind of went towards the different characters in the DC, like Scarecrow was fear and Lex Luthor was yeah. greed and all that sort of thing. It, it kind of seems like now they're doing the Rockworld storyline, they've just gone down the list and gone, okay, there's something to do with nature. They can be in there. They can come and, they can come and play in this storyline. I don't think so, because it seems like this arc is done with now after they wrapped it up. Oh, right, okay. So this guy's just locked in jail. It was pretty much like a he was doing this because he's bound by the land and is bound by him where they work together, so he kept it flourished, and that's why he was using that power to protect it. But if he gets taken away, then the land won't be flourished anymore. It'll just, like, turned away. So it just ends with him being locked in jail. And then it ends with, like, a cliffhanger with some new villain called King Shadow who's going to kind of want to take over the land so, where Batwing so, resides. First we have Lord Battles, now we've got King Shadow. Yeah. <laughs> so he like, pretty much wants to take over like Africa now, since that the previous bad guys who were in the previous arcs are all uh, dealt with, and there's really no one left to challenge this guy. So yeah. I never heard of him before this issue, but it looks like it's going into another guy just wanting to take over 
just uh, Africa, I guess, where Batwing resides in. So we'll see if it turns out any better. But for this issue, I'd probably give it two and a half quotable Bane lines out of five. I thought it the whole arc was lackluster for me anyway, and it ended on a better note than it started off with. So we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah. But I just hope it gets back to where it's mainly just focusing on Batwing and the struggles that he has as a character more than having him team up with all these different heroes. Yeah. yeah. So I think that was about it for the week of August 1st. Yeah, that was a quick one. Yeah. And then for August 12th, we had uh, Suicide Squad number 12, or not August 12th, but August 8th. All the 12 issues were Suicide Squad, Batgirl, and Batman and Robin, and Batman number 12. Now, I haven't read Suicide Squad in a, in a while. I've kind of had to drop that book, but are you yeah. continuing to read that one? I am, yes. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was almost going to come right on and say, I don't know why then. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm still re- I am still reading it because I think it's good. Like I can't, you know, comics being what they are and so damn pricey, yeah, I can't afford that many. But I think it's important to have at least one that just kind of takes me out of Gotham, um, sort of thing. And I, you know, at the beginning, I decided to invest that choice in in Harley Quinn and what she'd be getting up to because I really love that character. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I've stuck with it, and I think I, re- I really just have stuck with it purely because it's something different. To be honest, if I went looking, I could probably find something that's a lot better to read than, than Suicide Squad. Um, apart from, like, it, it, there was a decent first arc, and then there was the Harley Quinn arc. But since then, it, it's kind of, it really has lost its way. It, it's lost its edge that it had in the beginning where, you know, a kind of a different character got killed off every week. That certainly kept you coming back for more. Yeah. That is the, the intrigue of the new 52 Harley Quinn, which is why probably a lot of people picked up the comic in the first place. So the fact that they then answered that, um, they, what the, then the problem was is they didn't really replace it with anything new. So once we had the payoff from Harley, they didn't kind of step up another character. Like, Deadshot is still sort of front and center, and and you would call him the main character of the book. But we haven't really seen enough of him and who he is yet. Um, he, you know, he just sort of exists there in the middle, kind of like a, it's sort of in a weird cheap Wolverine kind of way in that he is the okay. badass. He's the badass of the group, but understandably because he's also the best, you know, he's the most lethal out of all of them. The and best that, that he is at what he does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that is exactly it. And, yeah, and but then the there was a tie-in storyline with Resurrection Man. Which, yeah, that's where I stopped actually. That yeah, last issue. which I I very nearly stopped at that <laughs> um, because I wasn't interested whatsoever in actually buying the Resurrection Man to finish the tie-in mm. um, because that was that was like one book too many sort of thing. So I didn't, um, and so drudged through that, not really knowing what was going on, and then the. Um, there's been this whole traitor storyline running through that one of the group was the traitor and it was revealed in this issue and honestly I um, the moment just I couldn't decide if I cared or not (laughs) yeah the traitor was revealed to be Black Spider but it just and, and all that was to me as a reader was just information 
it had no emotional kind of because I'd I'd been going along and I'd really decided that the traitor would have to be either kind of someone new who would make a big impact or you know a real sort of twist or it would have to be for me logically it needed to be Deadshot because that that is the kind of the through storyline of the book that it will hopefully eventually hinge on is Deadpool uh, oh Deadpool and Deadpool then. No, you said Deadshot. Okay. Deadshot versus Amanda Waller. That is, that's kind of what the book hinges on, is that, you know... Yeah, it sounds like that's what it was leading to, from when I, even when I was reading yeah. it. Yeah, and then for the Black Spider thing, it just... They hadn't built him up enough as a character for it to mean anything, because he was he was always different to the rest of the group anyway in the fact that he was a vigilante and not a bad guy. So they'd made him different to begin with. Then they took him out of action for a while, so he wasn't even in the issues, so you weren't reading about him or caring about him. Then they brought him back and revealed him as a traitor, which you kind of just go, yeah, okay, I guess he is a traitor because he doesn't really like them. Oh, and now he's bad, but... Black Spider isn't exactly the hero that we're all looking up to in the world that everyone knows and aspires to be. So for him to be revealed as actually kind of a a bad, you know, bad guy character doesn't it doesn't you know cut you up sort of as much as if Dick Grayson suddenly turned around. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, can you imagine that sort of thing? Um, so yeah, it just it just fell flat, which made the whole issue fall flat because that was the big thing that they were building up to. If it had been Deadshot, it kind of would have been cool because you would have understood why he was. The, it would have been a really cool thing for him to do because you would have understood why he was the traitor. Because Deadshot presents himself as a bad guy, but he's in a group of bad guys. But if and and it's that whole double negative that if you suddenly turn on the bad guys, doesn't that actually make you a good guy if you were a bad guy to begin with? Uh. And and you know and that would have been a really cool kind of plot twist. But for a good guy to turn bad guy on the bad guys, I, it's it's a hard sell as to wh- as to whether that's wrong or not, kind of thing. Um, and I think the problem with that is is that they haven't done. They haven't done enough to make you care about the team as the whole. They've done little bits. I certainly like King Shark a hell of a lot more than I did in issue one. Um, as, and he's got. Does he still have got, Yo-Yo in his mouth? Um, I don't think. No, I think Yo-Yo escaped. Yeah, he did. Underwater, okay. he did escape um, because he's a Yo-Yo. So he did. He, did, he couldn't digest him or something. Um, but they've they've been laying very subtle hints that there's more to King Shark than meets the eye, mm. and I and I do enjoy those moments. I really enjoyed the El Diablo kind of arc from which was again done at the beginning, and then they've really just kind of put on the back burner. Um, Captain Boomerang pisses me off as a character, and he returns in this. Oh issue. really? I read that one where the dead shot kind of turned on him. They, they pretty much yeah. left him to die, but I guess he I, got I, out of that. That's sort of what they dragged back up is the whole Basilisk storyline mm-hmm. comes comes back with a vengeance in this. But, you know, again, no one really cares because of, of the stuff that I do like about Suicide Squad. It wasn't those storylines. Um, and so, yeah, so I'd almost be at the point where this would be the straw that broke my back on uh. dropping it. <laughs> but we know that 
it's going to tie into the Joker returning with Harley Quinn. Yeah. Well, so, like, yeah. If anything, I, I'll just pick up that issue when it comes out, kind of like what I did yeah. with Red Hood and the Night of Owls. Yeah, essentially, where I sit now as a Suicide Squad reader is I am reading for the day when Harley Quinn leaves the group. Because when she leaves the group, <laughs> I, know I can leave the group and, you know, and not really worry. That's true. <laughs> Uh, it, it saddens me because every like every review I read that someone else has written about Suicide Squad is all they say is that it isn't um, Secret Six. Yeah, was it Secret yeah. Six that was baning? Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and it isn't that, and which you know it has this sort of cult following and is apparently brilliant, and that yeah. really saddens me because that was at a point where I wasn't able to you know collect comics, kind of going um, week to week, I wasn't able to kind of pick, uh, continuously pick up the issues because I had to wait for everything to go digital. Um, and it sort of seems like the moment's passed to go back and read Secret Six. I'd love to at some point, but it, I just want Suicide Squad to be as good as that was without having read it, but it seems that everyone else wants it to be that good, and it isn't, and that sounds me because it's one of the series that I <laughs> pick up every month. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, kind of follow the same theme as Batwing and Detective. So, been a, not a great two weeks. Well, uh, we'll get to the main event. So, in far. <laughs> so I'd say, yeah, two, two Bane quotable lines. And that's really, no, I, you know what? One, one Bane oh. quotable. <laughs> it really, because I'm trying to think about that issue now and there's nothing that I could take from it that was actually, the reveal was awful and nothing else happened. <laughs> well, good to know I'm not missing much since no, <laughs> I last left no, off. Yeah. yeah. But I guess the next one would be uh, Batgirl number 12, then. Where, for this one, when it first started off with this whole Nightfall arc, I wasn't really sold on it. I kind of thought it was just another villain who thinks they're a good guy by trying to kill off all the other villains to make Gotham right. a safe place. Yeah. But I think it started to turn into a more interesting character arc, I would say, for not only Nightfall's a villain, but Barbara, too, and the, and the detective she's teaming up with. Yeah. And then in this issue, we get Batwoman's uh, appearance in it, and I like the whole fight sequence they had at the beginning, where Batgirl's kind of saying that she can take her, but at the same time, she gets Batwoman handed to her, <laughs> where she yeah, gets all yeah. her moves. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I thought, I thought she gave up a little bit, though, where she says, where she surrenders and just says, uncle. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the I, whole I sequence was choreographed pretty cool. Yeah. I, don't, I don't read Batgirl, but I do kind of try and keep up with what's going on um, sort of thing, because, it, yeah, it's, and it, it seems, yeah, it seems like a kind of um, interesting development in, in that whole thing. Um, and, and cool to see, you know, the Batgirl versus Batwoman and, and that dynamic kind of finally be addressed. Yeah, and they're also bringing in what's tying into this whole Nightfall story is James Gordon Jr. is finally yeah, getting more involved. Yeah. Um, because the, he's kind of got a whole subplot with Barbara's flatmate. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just like that reaction Gordon had when he got that call where yeah. that person lets him know uh, he's not in jail anymore. He just has that shocked look in his face and just puts his hand over his head. It's like, no, like, oh my god, what are we gonna, what is he gonna do now? Yeah, um, yeah. It, it seems that you know, from from the developments that I've seen, it seems that um, Gail Simone is certainly writing James Junior as you'd want him to be written. 
So far, yeah. I mean, he hasn't been in it a lot, but so far he's done a good job. Yeah, yeah. Which is, 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 is that's the thing, is it? Because he's just so normal, but so horribly scary. Yeah. <laughs> fact. So you, I think, you know, you, you just, yeah, you have to bait and just do little bits at a time. Um, and, and, cause, the, cause that's kind of how Snyder worked with the Black Mirrors. You just got a little bit and a little bit more, and then something horrible happened. So, um, cause, um, only through following it, do we know where Barbara's roommate is at the moment? Is she safe or? She is safe, yeah. Yeah, she's not gonna turn up somewhere with no arms, no legs. Well, no... she might, cause, I mean, yeah. I wasn't expecting uh, James Gordon Jr. to be tied in with Nightfall. I mean, I was kind of surprised where you see him talking to her. So who yeah. knows what he might have done with uh, Barbara's roommate. Ah, right. We may see her in the next issue where Barbara comes home or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, as soon as I knew that that sort of thing was going on, I was like, oh, God. She, yeah, and it would only be Gail Simone who would write her turning up in the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, something like that. <laughs> but yeah, the issue was... Um, even the end fight, fight sequence I thought was pretty cool too, seeing Barbara take out all those uh, Nightfall's minions, the one with the wing and that big muscle-bound <laughs> fighter. Yeah. Kind of, we kind of got their origin stories of why they're teaming up with Nightfall. And for the most part, I thought all these stories worked pretty good and tied in with their overall, I guess, reasoning for doing what they do. Yeah. And then the final sequence where we see uh, Barbara find that a kid who she was trying to help who was like just robbing a car but they want to kill him because he's a common criminal they want all criminals to die and where we just see that they didn't kill him but they just tortured him looks like almost near death where his like his foot's amputated he's covered in bandages and then Barbara just struggles to get him out of the cell he was in and then I didn't really see it coming where she got stabbed in the back by Nightfall oh really and then it just ends with her on the ground and this Nightfall saying I've killed that girl I mean we'll see you it's quite dark, Batgirl, isn't it? It's Certain dark. issues can be, yeah. Yeah. It's taken a, like, because, I mean, bringing James Jr. in anyway kind of, you know, <laughs> lowers the light level of, of any yeah. book. But, um, yeah, which is kind of, I mean, that's really cool because I suppose it's, it is almost sort of defying what you'd expect from it as a book. Yeah. Because, uh, like, you know, Batwoman always had that kind of cool gothic vibe to it from the get-go, and I think that was mainly because of the, the art from J.H. Williams. But, um, yeah, you'd never sort of expect... You know, Barbara is the kind of the more happy-go-lucky version that you'd expect, But so that's cool that, you know, it's kind of gone, gone dark and serious. Yeah, I'm actually kind of getting more interested in this Nightfall character, which it seems more to her than what was shown in the first two issues, especially now that she was involved with James Gordon Jr. Because she said yeah. that uh, he helped her keep he helped her keep her alive in Arkham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know he has an alternative ulterior motive because he just says it's it's no more than I just because I admire your vision. But there's you know there's more to it than just him saying that. So it's yeah. going to be interesting to see how it all wraps up. And we have to wait two months since next is the zero issue, which will... the zero issue will be very interesting. To yeah. This is the one everyone's been waiting for. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. We'll finally get the, hopefully get the reveal of how exactly yeah. she did uh, get back to be able to walk again. And, and With we weeks know. of tense physiotherapy. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> They're going to go the Dark Knight Rises route. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she 
strapped an electro thing to her leg and she kicked <laughs> walls down. <sighs> and we do know they did say it was a surgery that she had, but how exactly it went down is still a mystery and how what yeah. type of surgery it was, though. Maybe she's a robot. Oh, man, imagine that. <laughs> maybe she's really dead like Cyborg. <laughs> or maybe she's just one of those clones from Detective Comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, it's Humana. Who? Who? <laughs> oh, man, imagine that. Yeah. But it, it should I, lead I up to, like, hopefully a good confrontation between her and James Gordon Jr., because we have we've seen her con- confront her as Oracle, but not as Batgirl, yeah. which would be interesting. Yeah, so I did, in, uh, like, you know, we all, I think... Parts of us all do miss the Oracle character, um, but there's there's no question that James Go- James Gordon Jr. versus Batgirl is is more a headline kind of event yeah. than Oracle versus James Gordon Jr. So uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to see how that's going to play out. But. Yeah, yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah. So for this issue, this issue, I'm going to give it uh, three and a half quotable Bane's lines from the Dark Knight Rises out of five. I thought okay. it was definitely this arc's going in the better direction than it yeah. started off with. Cool. All right, next up is Batman and Robin, number 12. And what did you think of this one? Um, I have to say, overall, this issue um, was the moment where I went from admiring Patrick Gleason's artwork to absolutely loving it. <laughs> I think he, he nailed this issue and hit it out of the park. Because, to be fair, storyline-wise, this arc... It, to me, it really feels like they had two really good ideas, but couldn't stretch them out far enough, so kind of combined them into the three-arc run that they've had. And Because the, the, there was the one storyline where we've had Damien um, has been sort of challenging all the previous Robins, and Red Robin, because he wasn't a previous Robin anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been challenging them all and wanting to prove that he's the best sort of thing, which was yeah, you know, intriguing. But I get, and then you kind of think, and you think, well, how many issues can you really get out of that? Of what is essentially, you know, Damien attacking members of the Bat family, sort of thing. Uh, and then there was the other story, which was the terminus or terminus. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Going with terminus. <laughs> story which again was it was a really I think that's a really cool idea that he was essentially he'd formed this group of people and villains who had sort of been injured or you know accidentally damaged as a result of going up against Batman sort of thing Mm -hmm. like you know um, an injury lawyer's accident claim line for (laughs) henchmen have you been involved in a serious accident involving Batman well call this number and join our team Um, so I thought that was really you know again that was a really cool idea is to see you know what happens to those people who get you know their legs broken or the brain pierced as one poor character he's got (laughs) stuck through his head for the whole issue or Uh, two people fused together (laughs) yeah yeah oh yeah the the the, um, radioactive weird yeah Um, so I thought again that was a really good idea but then you kind of think well how how much can you draw that story out? Because, again, you risk entering Tony Daniel-level territory of just introducing too many characters and kind of... So it was it was kind of good that they kept it light and just, you know, kind of combined them, did it in three issues just to kind of get themselves to the zero issue. And 
with this third issue of the arc, they kind of just he um I'm trying to think who the writer is. Uh Peter Tomasi. Yes, Peter Tomasi. He seemed to kind of just go for broke in the let's go down the route of, of the Avengers in a big city in peril you know, colourful superhero romp is kind of what it turned into. Yeah. And it was nice then that you had the all the other Robins turned up to help um Bruce and Damien with the with the big um nuclear threat to Gotham City, which I mean it can't uh, Did that remind you of anything? Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, you just some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> and here we were again, but um, but it was I think it was despite you know yeah having the tropes of a lot of previous kind of storylines of it felt like the Avengers with the big attack on on New York City or the the attack of all the Branders on Gotham City and then there was the bomb like the bomb Dark Knight Rises and and you know having to kind of get it into the water did all feel similar but I think what they did is they just dialed up the colour and the fun of it, which for me made it a really enjoyable single issue to read. Um, and you know, if I hadn't said already, the artwork just was phenomenal. <laughs> I because I to begin with, I really struggled with Gleason's style because it's so stylized. It's very flat figures. He uses a lot of flat black, so you really you don't get a lot of that kind of tonal 3D effect that, you know, other artists use. And it's then sometimes it's like the colorists try and make up for that fact. So you get these really kind of shaded 3D colors on a very flat kind of drawing. But, you know, it, it, as, as we went on and we got some kind of bigger splash pages and stuff with the Nobody storyline, I think the, the last issue of the Nobody storyline where the, the yacht is on fire. Um, like the blend between coloring and ink in that is is just fantastic. And that was where I was like, okay, I I can I now get why and how this artwork is sort of appreciated because that looks really cool. And then for this issue, again, it just seemed to be dialed up further. Um, there's a panel of the four sons of Batman, yeah. Rob, whatever you want to call them, and you know. I would be really surprised if that isn't being sold as a poster somewhere. Yeah, you know, that is a great shot. It, it also yeah. makes uh, makes more sense of why Nightwing's costume is now red and blue. It kind of fits better with the whole overall Robin yeah, color yeah. scheme. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, blue, it would look a lot of place. Yeah, because um, it's even it feels even more black. You know, it's a very dark blue kind of if if anything um, Nightwing's costume, which yeah, as you say, very much ties into. Um, still think the red Robin costume is just god awful. Um, yeah, wings <laughs> would be a lot better. Wings, the, but even the weird yellow. I know it's kind of a nod to the Tim Drake era Robin costume with the you know the pads on the on his gloves and and his arms. But making them yellow just really stands out, kind of in the wrong way, sort of thing. Whereas the the original Red Robin costume was so sleek and kind of a cool, you know, it looked like what Robin should look like grown up. Um, whereas, because the other the thing that annoys me is that Tim's now wearing the Nightwing mask, uh-huh. and 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 which has no relevance to his character. 
because the cool thing about Nightwing's mask is that it's his logo. Yeah. And, you know, that's always been a cool thing. Damien's is, is the Robin mask, and yet it has the kind of scalloped edges that curve up or whatever, but it's very much Damien's own mask, and, and kind of, at the same time, Robin's mask, because it's green. Whereas, yeah, Tim's mask just is the Nightwing mask, so, it, again, there's no kind of unique quality to it. Um, so, that is not, you know, that's not Patrick Gleason's fault. He was just drawing what, you know, someone decided, Jim Lee decided on a drunken night somewhere <laughs> um, a while ago. Um, but yeah, that, and there were, you know, just even panel for panel, some of those panels could be turned into, you know, you could put them on pencil cases or posters or, or you know, mm. he really, for me, knocked out the park with this issue. So um, I did nuclear rocketed up to a, a four quotable Bane um, lines out of five for me. Nice. Uh, for me, I definitely thought this was the best issue out of this whole arc. When I previously said I found the whole Terminus plot kind of boring and not interesting to me. I wish yep. it mainly focused on Damien fighting all the Robins. Yeah. More so than that. But I thought this issue wrapped it up pretty good. I mean, it was cool, like you said, to see all four of the Robins come together and fight Terminus's men. Kind of, yeah. I didn't get the Avengers vibe at first, but now that you mentioned, I definitely can see how you would get that because it is in a city. They're fighting all these weird creatures. Yeah, and they, they, the other, the nice sort of little plot element was in there was the fact that it was happening during like sunrise. It was yeah. deck time um, because um, that's it. It's the previous issue. I had to go back and sort of catch up and read everything. Where as it's all sort of starting to go wrong. Um, like the sun's is, you know, it's it's nearly daybreak, and, and um, uh, Gordon actually says to Batman, I, you know, I I I didn't think you worked past the night, sort yeah. of thing, and and Batman's just like, well, you know, we have to, so <laughs> you know, I don't have a choice. Batman doesn't rest, um, that sort of thing, and that you know, that was a really cool moment. So yeah, for it, that again, I think maybe that improved the artwork is that it was you know it was it was in daylight um because that you the, the, the final page which is um kind of bruce batman flying you know doing the cape glide back from having disposed of the uh the bomb and you just see the the sun rising over the horizon is again just beautiful yeah that might be the best uh, page in the whole issue for me yeah is this a great shot <laughs> So, yeah, um, yeah, I still think overall this whole arc was a little bit of a disappointment for me. I wish it would focus more on, like I said, on Damien fighting all the Robins. Yeah. And it did kind of wrap up pretty quickly. I mean, Dick talks to him about that and tell him he has nothing to prove because he's already wearing the, the Robin costume. Yeah, so he has I, think to prove I, himself. I don't know how much I would have liked or even believed if they'd actually done a Dick versus Damien issue. Yeah, because I think um, I agree with that. Because having them work together, Batman and Robin, I don't think Damien would have yeah, done that. They just did so much with the with the characters during that time period. You know, where you you did see Damien's opinion of Dick change. You know, throughout that thing to the point where you know, then when Batman Inkle kind of kicked and started off, you sort of saw that Damien would almost prefer to work with Dick rather than his father. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I wasn't. I kind of was very cautious about the. Are they gonna, you know, are they gonna fight because 
uh, that just kind of it either unravels everything that they've already done or it just won't feel right. Um, so we won't kind of really believe it as as it happening. So it was, it was great, and it was great that you know Dick is the he's the pacifier of, yep. of the group, um, of, of, always and always has been of in in his place in the Batman family. So it, yeah, it was great that he would be the one who would be smart enough to go, okay, this is happening, but I'm just you know I know how to to put a lid on it and, and keep it in check. Yeah, where he just hands him his stick and's like, here, you can have this. <laughs> you don't have to yeah. prove yourself to me. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah because yeah, and whereas you know the, the characters that Jason and Tim are, they they would get annoyed and feel threatened by Damien kind yeah. of trying to be in their space sort of thing, and you know would kind of try and take him out, but. Um, you know, Dick would Dick is so much better than that, and would rise above that kind of thing. So that, that, there was lots of great little character moments, actually. I, I think throughout the arc, while it, you know, yeah, it probably did feel a little bit ham-fisted, and they kind of just, you know, trudged along through the terminus and the the um, Damien storyline. But there were some great character moments, especially with. Jason Todd actually got a great outing in terms of these three issues, I thought. Probably more so than he's been getting in Red Hood. <laughs> yeah, outing. I would agree with that. <laughs> um, and and the, other, the other great thing about the three issues for me, though, is possibly of all the Batman writers currently that I'm reading, certainly, so I do, won't speak for the series that I don't, um, Pete Tomasi keeps in check everything else that's happening very well. Because at the start of the arc, you had that little throw to um, to Batman Inc. of all series, where Tim's talking to Damien about the fact that he killed the, the spider guy. Um, I've forgotten his name. Uh, the guy was at the uh, Dedalius or something similar, but pronounced Yeah, I, know, yeah I, I think it's Dedalius. <laughs> I know what yeah. you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, but, so, you know, they referenced the fact that Damien killed him. And then um, Jason Todd references um, helping them out with Mr. Freeze and the Night of the Owls storyline. Um, and it's, you know, really simple, just little one-word bubble bits, but that just pays tribute to everything else that's going on, um, which you don't, you don't sort of see enough of that in comics, and understandably, because it can be very hard to juggle the timeline of six series in one go. But it, it's nice to see someone at least kind of pay tribute to the different things that are going on um, and the, the little line about um, Jason using uh, foot shots rather than head shots during, <laughs> during the battle at the end um, was yeah you know just nice little bits of character work yeah that was good it's like Batman will kill him or something like that or like yeah, 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 he wouldn't yeah. be too happy D- doesn't want daddy to be upset or something like that yeah <laughs> so yeah for this issue I'd probably give it uh, three quotable Bane lines out of five Definitely improved, like, kind of like how Batgirl is over the first few issues of this art. But yeah. Thought it wrapped up pretty nicely. Yeah. That, I mean, that is, I'd say for the for the two arcs that they've now done on Batman and Robin, they do tend to end stronger than they begin. Yeah, that's definitely true, yeah. yeah. So he, <laughs> he writes good endings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so the last issue we're going to be talking about for the week of August 8th is Batman number 12. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Drum roll, please. Yeah. <laughs> now, if any, like, there was going to be an issue where you thought, eh, maybe won't be Scott Snyder's best, maybe just feel like filler, it probably would have been this one, since you know going in it's just a one-off story. Yeah. But then again, Scott Snyder proves why he's such a great writer and knows how to write characters that you care about, because 
This thing you think was a character who had a small role in the Court of Owls storyline, I think it was issue number seven, Harper Rowe. Turns out she's like, character has an interesting story to tell of her own and how she gets involved with Batman. And just in her personal life with her and her brother, Scott Snyder does a great job of making you care about those characters and just developing them real good. And then how, probably my favorite moment is when they're walking home, they're getting beat up or these thugs come and surround them to get a few punches in, but then Batman just comes in and just yeah. takes out all those thugs and just looks, turns and looks at them and then just flies away on his back grapple. And they just have this look of awe on their faces and it just says, yeah, like, yeah. that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> and Harper Row is just like staring speechless and she gets all like hardcore into Batman and starts following them. I just thought it was great how, because it looks like Snyder is setting up a new character who's going to be teaming up with Batman in the future. Yeah. Maybe, I don't want to say the next Oracle, but someone who might no, have behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, I was literally going to, the, the, those, those uh, very same thing was about to leave my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's setting of, something up like that. Yeah, which is good, because, yeah, Oracle, because Oracle was amazing and a great character, and that was, I think, why so many people were apprehensive about her becoming Batgirl again, because it meant losing that, yeah, that kind of... Um, as you say, behind the scenes kind of character. Um, and, you know, which, which has been done throughout the history of Batman. There was like, there was the hunchback guy, wasn't there? He was called yeah. Harold. Yep. Mm-hmm. Who worked in the Batcave during No Man's Land and stuff. And, you know, so they've done it, but I don't know if they've ever done it as well as Scott Snyder's <laughs> done it. <laughs> what a one full issue and three panels in, you know, the previous 12 issues, and she's already the best potential behind-the-scenes character since Oracle. Yeah, they're, they're not, he's not just making her where she's, like, technically, where she's, like, only smart in, their, in her area of expertise of uh, being, like, all of those electrical stuff that she does, but the fact that she's smart enough to figure out Batman's plan where she, she figured yeah. out he turned off yeah. that a signal he added on on purpose. So she kind of shows where she can, like, adapt to the way Batman... But, yeah, thinks. but so three-dimensional a character in that she didn't realize that straight away. Yeah. But then, but then learned afterwards sort of thing. Yeah, it's hard enough to pick it up on it. Yeah, and she just isn't the generic, um, I'm good at electricity character. Yeah. I can help you with your tools. Sort of, you know, the whole, the whole story of her and her brother just gives so much depth to, to who she is as a person and why, you know, why she does those things. You know, it could have the the uh, probably so many origin monologues that you could write for a character who fixes things for, you know, a living sort yeah, of. Yeah, and how it like, also ties to uh, how she said her father kept breaking things and that's why she got yeah. into fixing, like, everything. Like, not only physical stuff, but, like, fixing situations in her life, too, that's yeah. going on for her and her brother. And, Perfect. You know, the, yep. so as I said, for all the generic versions of that that you could have written, to write this version is, is that, I mean, that's why Snyder's currently the king of, uh, of comics. Um, is, yeah, it was just brilliant. And, and unfortunately, I've already probably said it far too many times in this podcast for it to make a big impact in me saying it now. <laughs> but some of the best Batman stories are told from street level. And as you're saying, like you said, the bit, one of the best bits of this comic was when um, they were about to get beaten up or, you know, even stabbed mm-hmm. uh, by, the, by the guys in the street. And, you know, Batman just swoops in 
does his thing, but you see him doing it fr- from their point of view. It is this just this shadow that arrives, this big kind of sideways silhouette uh, over the you know over the the thug, just telling him, "You don't do this anymore, or I'll be back." And yeah. <laughs> this type thing, and off he goes, you know, blink of an eye type stuff. Um, it is that's you know that adds so much to the Batman character. That I don't, you know, I don't think a lot of people realise just how much it does, but it, you know, it certainly that creates such a, a great extra layer, which is why Batman works so well. Um, it was also good to see, you know, then when she starts to become obsessed with Batman and you know starts to kind of read it, it was good to see the modern take, you know, because it, it, what she does is like she's looking at clips on of obviously the the DC Universe version of YouTube, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, look at news reports and stuff. But it's good because it acknowledges what a person in our world would do if this was happening for real. Yeah, definitely. Um, there would be, you know, if there was a Batman, you know, the, you know, it's stuff like Kick-Ass and even the Avengers movie have all, you know, kind of now touched on that idea that if superheroes existed in the modern world, you know, social media would really be how we found out about <laughs> You know, how, how we could uh, look up on them. And then it was, again, why Snyder's just so absolutely brilliant is to take that further, that if social media did exist to kind of keep track on someone like Batman, how would he even outsmart that? Where she, you know, there's the little scene where she's showing the surveillance footage and she works out that, you know, Batman has this little kind of blocker that he can put yeah, in place. Yeah, he can knock out the camera the moment before he arrives on a scene, so he's never seen on CCTV, and then he switches it back on. And then, you know, just really to to always bring it back to the fact that, you know, Batman may sort of be bending the rules, but he's always doing it in a for the better good. Yeah. Is that he, you know, this little box that he's got in the circuit board that will allow him to be invisible when he needs to be and, you know, shut certain power things down so so he's not kind of caught or people don't know where he is etc um but it's also this little these little boxes are also adding boosting the electricity supply of the gotham grid um you know which obviously gotham as a city you know is kind of probably limping along (laughs) in terms of its infrastructure so for him to be doing you know just that such that simple thing um again it, it just adds so much to the Batman character that it doesn't always have to be about, you know, going out and punching bad guys, which he even we even get to see him do in this issue with yeah. uh, the return of Tiger Shark. Yeah, that was pretty cool to see. I wasn't yeah. expecting him to show up again, but... Yeah, uh, he was a cool character in the Scott Snyder's Detective Run, so it was cool to see yeah. him back again. No, uh, that was cool. Yeah, because, you know, it'll make people go and find out, who's that guy with the weird red cloth on his yeah. head? <laughs> um, and I thought... It, it did make sense too, where it ties in with Batman number seven, where we see uh, Harper bringing Batman back to life, essentially. Yeah. Where we now know how she was able to find him and locate him to do that. Yeah. Which, when she yeah. probably saw that, he went off the the grid that he had. She was able probably to track him down and just rescue him and then bring him back. And and that she and the, the whole thing, she'd have been in the van and she'd. Have, the car battery, which is what she uses to say, you know, so, you know yeah. be able to kind of cobble together something that would uh, basically give Batman an electric shock. <laughs> um, 
um, was, you know, so much more justified sort of thing. Um, and even the nice nod to the fact that she was there at the, the presentation and the, yeah. back in the first issue. Yeah. Um, and, and how her appearance has changed since then was explained, you know, uh, as, as such an integral part of the story rather than just uh, throw away, oh, I now need to decide to change my hair because Greg Capullo drew me differently <laughs> in the second issue I was in. Um, you know, to, to give all that such meanings and such credibility is, you know, it, it is what does put Snyder way out ahead of the pack in terms of the writing that he's doing because it's that attention to detail. Definitely. Um, and if I, I, I mean, I fell in love with Harper Row in the three panels she was in in Batman 7, so, you know, I was having a field day with this <laughs> issue. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely think Snyder created a new character who's probably going to be around in the Batman family for a while. Yeah. I really a good character too. Even like, even after like one issue, I kind of I can't wait to see her in another medium. Yeah. I kind of really hope she does appear in one of the animated series at some point. You know, be it Beware mm-hmm. Batman or whatever follows type thing. Um, yeah, you know, just just a great creation. Um, and I think. It, weirdly, because it seemed like it wasn't the idea from the beginning and it only came about later, but the decision to change artists, I think, I almost think that should have been the decision from the beginning because it just, it worked so well in that it did take us away from the usual Batman world that we've been living in for the past 11 issues. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love Greg Capola's artwork and, and he'd have, you know, he would have drawn that issue absolutely fine. But to get that kind of more, slightly more looser, freer style um, of Becky Cloonan, I think suited the issue down to the ground. Um, yeah, my, so. only, my only complaint, I agree with you, this is the only yeah. complaint about the issue I would have is that the artist changed in the middle of the story. Yeah, yeah. Clark. And yeah. I, did, I did like Becky Cloonan's style better. I thought it fit the tone of this issue better than uh, the other artists did. Yeah, kind of in her character design yeah. too, and her facial expressions, I thought was better by Becky Clunan. So, if I was one negative, it'd probably just be the artist change in the middle of it for me. Yeah, and and the, I think it was because it was a jarring artist change. I have I have nothing sort of no, nothing too much against Andy Clark's art because he's done some of the Batman Inc. stuff. Yeah, um, and I liked it in that. I think just what was against him was that he is no he, his style is nothing like. Becky Cloonan at all and you know maybe they could have been better with the choice type thing and I mean I'm sure he's probably far too busy but if you think of artists like Chris Burnham or Cameron Stewart I think they could have matched up a lot better to what Becky Cloonan was doing in the in the main portion of the book because it kind of worked in it was like a book and a backup wasn't it yeah I was thinking maybe even uh, Trevor McCarthy style because he yeah. has more like because I thought the style was kind of more like a cartoon, like animation style. Like yeah. Like yeah. animated series, which I kind of think Trevor McCarthy does too. So I thought if they were going to switch, he would have been a nice one to go yeah. to for the middle um, of it. Which, you know, it's one of those intriguing mysteries of the world of comics where a, a decision like that can seem so obvious to someone like you and me, but apparently, you know, didn't. no one kind of thought that at DC. But there you go. Um I guess it's just time frames and what people can do and what they're available yeah. for time. Um, but yeah, I, I think Becky Cloonan's 
artwork suited the story of the issue and, and the focus of Harper Road down to the ground. Because uh, uh, you just got that animated, almost a, like a, an anime magna feel. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, you did uh, get that right. Um, but yes, I uh, I tweeted my appreciation of it, and she thanked me on Twitter, so that made me uh, a little bit love struck for for the last oh, couple. Nice. Of <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> she's you know Be- Becky Cloonan isn't isn't um, is well is easy on the eyes herself. Because so. <laughs> that was that was my tweet. That, uh, even Snyder even Snyder retweeted me. I was I was on a roll this week. Really? Uh, I saw I saw your tweet, but I didn't see the retweet by Scott Snyder. Huh. I don't, have to go back I, and look at I don't know if he retweeted or he he just replied because okay. uh, I my tweet said um, that after reading that issue I didn't know who to fall in love with Harper Row, yeah. <laughs> or Becky Cloonan. Um, I think he, he he tweeted back to me and he said you can fall in love with all of them or it was <laughs> all of them sort of thing. He just said thank you. But, um, well, that's a cool response. So. Yeah, so, yeah, I was riding riding high off that issue. <laughs> Yeah, so to score, I'd probably give it. Um, I'd give it a four and a half out of five. Quotable Bane lines when the Dark Knight Rises. I yeah. The only negative, like I said, just the artist change took a little, little bit. Took me out of it a little took, bit. Took so. the shine off. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I will. Uh, we've been. We need. We need Dane and Gary back. We're far too agreeable. Our yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, scores do tend to reflect. Yeah, so I'll agree and go four and a half. Uh, Bane quotable lines out of five. Cool. Yeah. Now after this is the zero issue, and then we finally get to the Joker storyline, which I can't wait for. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, great, great run in for the end of the year, essentially, because that'll, uh, it's a five-issue arc, isn't it, Joker? Yeah. So, and so it's starting in October, so yeah, we're definitely, we know we know what we're doing for the rest of the year now, comics-wise. Yeah. And so uh, far, out of Scott Snyder's 12-issue run, there's a whole year of Batman, all of them have been great issues. I mean, like I said earlier, I know this is my opinion, but the Mr. Freeze, the Batman annual, was probably his, my least favorite. Um, yeah, I did, the thing about I, I sort of whilst not agreeing with you um, about the story point because I that I did like uh, and may, uh, because I'm I'm trying to think James Tinian wrote it didn't he but Snyder like outlined the, the the story but I think it was written by James Tinian. What that uh, That's a good question because of who actually wrote what. I think, I yeah, just... we, we, exactly, yeah, you don't know exactly what that means when they say something like that. Story by Scott Snyder, written by James yeah. Dini, um But, no, I, I see, for me, I, yeah, I did feel that the 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 dialogue or the, the pacing of that particular story, whilst I didn't have a problem with it, um, didn't feel as sharp as the rest of the issues. But, you know, we're talking sixes and sevens here, you um, of if if that issue is the worst issue of the year, then you're doing all right. Exactly, uh, yeah, exactly. If you, if you look at what you could pick as the worst detective <laughs> issue of the year or the worst Dark Knight issue of the year, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I think they're doing all right over in Team Batman. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, he's yet to write a horrible, bad issue yet. No. So let's just hope that streak continues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Usain Bolt. If he just keeps winning, we'll all be fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so with that, I guess that's going to do it for the show this week. Yeah. So, um, Come before the storm, I'm sure there'll be loads to talk about with the zero issues kicking off next uh, Yeah, 
probably a lot of debates and <laughs> disagreements yeah, and choices yeah. they make. So should it's be the fun. podcast you've been waiting a year for. <laughs> <laughs> podcast number zero. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's going to do it. So you can check out our site, uh, The Batman Universe, at thebatmanuniverse.net. And you can also find it on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse. And you can follow The Batman Universe on Twitter with the Twitter handle at Batman Universe. And then don't forget, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, and where you could leave us a review, comment, and just let us know what you think overall. You can also find all the other Batman Universe podcasts on there as well. And then um, you can also help support our fellow Batman Universe staff member, Stella, as she has a petition going to try to get the Batgirl Year One animated movie back into production, which hopefully it comes through, because I remember they announced that a while ago, then when the Wonder Woman sales didn't do too good, they kind of scrapped that. Because they don't think female leads could carry a movie and get a profit off it. But it sounded like a cool idea for her to have a Batgirl Year One movie. So hopefully that could happen again soon. And if you want, you can help out by signing the petition at www.gopetition.com slash petition slash Batgirl dash year dash one dot HTML. And also you can check out the forums at the Batman Universe. You can sign in and register there. And once you do, just go ahead and send an email to the Batman Universe so they can verify your account so they can avoid any spam registrations. And as always, our outro music is going to be Beautiful End by our friend Spangler, which you can find them at Facebook on facebook.com slash band. So with that, that's going to be it. My name's Tim, and we'll see you guys next time. I'm BJ, your friendly British Batman correspondent, and uh, yeah, I'll see you soon. I can still miss her skin The secret I'll take with me soon